And they called it a remake. And they called it a remake, right? Yeah, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. That's the problem. We just want to get Rich Cook off of all the time. Yes, we just want to call it a remake. Yes, just that's why. Like (sighs) full throttle. It was full throttle remastered. Yes. that's yes, what it needs to be. Exactly. We remake, saw you use a word. Yes. They made it a lot of money and we want to do it too. You cheap bastards. You didn't even put the, you didn't even invest in, in actually relaunching it as a different thing. Re-envisioned at least Final Fantasy VII was a remake. They did that. Like it's not yeah. the same game at all. No, no, it's a totally it's different. A it's a remake. It's remade. They remade the game. Exactly. Too. Welcome to the party. We are looking for more your podcast for all things gaming with a focus on MMOs, RPGs, game development and gaming culture. I'm your host, Phoenix, also known as Samorg. And I'm joined today by our returning party members. Let's welcome back the Nathan Napalm. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the show. And Renfield, welcome back, man. I am here to uh, that was Nathan's fanfare. Uh, <laughs> my, mine is. Yeah, I don't have fanfare. Not yet. We'll see. Not yet. We'll find. We'll find something. I do have a cry. big nasty red zit on my forehead. Though. I'm just seeing <laughs> oh, wow. in the in the, in the oh, camera right I know now. You ate some of that bacon. You ate yeah. some of that food we were talking about the other oh, night. Gosh. Yeah, the other night. And then I don't know if you paid attention. I, I put out like eight shorts today on YouTube because I went nuts this morning. I woke up at three thirty and I was in the kitchen by five, and we ate from like nine thirty to eleven thirty and had a bottle of prosecco, and then I just passed the fuck out because. Yeah. Heck yeah. I'm on vacation, baby. <laughs> well, speaking of vacation, I am too. We've been rolling in. Got to give a shout out real quick to all of the Imperial Flames, which are the supporters here on Twitch, YouTube, and Patreon. Really appreciate y'all keeping this party's bags packed, provision stocked for all of our adventures on the show. Uh, keeping in mind now, uh, not too sure if we're going to be doing next Thursday. Just a heads up. We'll let you know for sure. So keep a, keep a pulse on Twitter. Keep your eyes over there. Um, but you want to leave us a comment an itunes review you can go over to itunes it's pinned at the top of our page at the lfm show on twitter you can go call into one five sorry one five three nine six six four six eight zero one leave us a message there via voice we'll play it here on the show if you leave a uh, review and you leave a comment over on itunes we will read that here on the show as well um y'all i was like rolling into this today having been watching the ashes of creation developer developer live stream earlier today um i'm gonna rant about that a little bit and i know nathan mentioned prior to us starting today that there was like some news around pantheon rise of the fallen um but why don't we catch up a little bit we had a DD last sunday again as usual over on the weave in the void channel so check that out on sundays usually around 9 p.m central um it was pretty good times, man. I definitely do agree. I think we're getting our sort of getting our grooves as a as a party. Um, we haven't come together and decided on a uh, <laughs> on a uh, name. yeah a group name or anything yet, adventuring name yet. But we're working on it. But what do you all been up in uh, been up to in the meantime since uh, we've we've had our show and our D and D game? Well, I binged watch Chris and I binged watch The Witcher season two. We just finished yesterday. It was ten times better than season one. So yeah. good. I can't I can't wait to talk about it in greater detail later on yeah. in the show. 
And because I got an Xbox Series X, um, I have been uh, working my way through the campaign for um, Halo Infinite, uh, which is going to be pretty good. It's it's pretty fun so far. Um, I'll have a review out about that later. And I launched the first video in my Point and Click Classic series a couple days ago covering The Dig by LucasArts. Um, and Ooh. so I've got like 15 games I'm going to be going through. Quest for Glory series, King's Quest stuff. People put stuff like up there, like um, uh, I got Robin Hood Conquest of the Longbow, which I've never done. Indiana Jones, The Fate of Atlantis, uh, Mist, which I haven't done since it came out Ooh, years yeah. ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the original throttle. or the because they've like remade it or I'll something. Probably do the, I'll probably do the remastered because they just launched that like last year. As an example, no. like I, I picked because I got it for free, I think. Um, the remastered version of Full Throttle, and I played through it last year or the year before when it came out. It's the exact same thing, just with new graphics and new cutscenes. But it's all the same voice acting. It's the same gameplay. Um, so I'm going to be going through all of those probably one or two a month for the new year. But that's that's what I've been doing, and of nice. course, waiting for the season finale of Wheel of Time because last week I know we're going to talk more about that oh, in the yeah. show later on today True. too because mm-hmm. episode 7 was like I feel like it's like it was the best of the season so far and I have I have things that need to be said. Nice. And that's what I've been up to. That's what I've been up to. Nathan, have you watched uh the just so we kind of like, you know, before we even but get it's to okay. that later? But yeah, I haven't uh, but I don't okay. ruin it. So you guys don't even worry about it. You okay. just talk freely and I'll, be okay. I'll be with okay. I'll be with the Witcher too. I haven't watched anything. Oh, uh, Christmas has just uh kind of squashed uh, me. Are you uh, sure I, about I, us talking I, about it? Are you cool? Just go, okay. Look, just go ahead. Oh, It'll be okay. Shit. It'll be okay. I mean, to be fair, I feel like unless you see it, it's not the same anyway, even when people talk right. about it. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 That's the way it is for me too. Yeah. Even if I know what's coming, it still shocks me when it happens because you see it happen, mm-hmm. you know. So it doesn't matter. You guys talk freely. Don't worry about it. But I have been well. Well, first of all, I want to say um, I'm I'm really liking where uh, I've been taking our D and D sessions and I've been converting them into like a story format into Tellspire with I the saw. little miniatures. And yeah. I really that's that's a pretty cool idea. It's so cool that I'm considering. My next D and D choose your own adventure. I may use the miniatures because I could produce it so much faster. And um, you don't have to worry about locations. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I don't have to worry about locations. I may have to do some building of my own on Telspire, but that's okay. That's still faster than yeah. building puppets, uh, True. filming, editing the film. Like this is so much uh, easier to do. So I'm considering that for uh, the next for the next choose your own adventure. And I can make Jeez. it way crazier, right? If, right. There's less production time. That just True. leaves me more time to make more options, et cetera. Mm-hmm. A pretty good way to it's a pretty interesting way to be able to use something like Telspire too, I think. I think so too, yeah. Jeez, dude. It would I've be been... difficult to play with it, right? Mm. You could though, as I've been playing around with it, like you can roll the dice right on the table. What you'd have uh-huh. to do though is you'd have to either A, everybody have their actual player sheet in front of them. Right and be and take care of themselves. So the D because the DM's going to be busy, you know, moving things around, etc. Um, so everybody have to take care of their own stuff there. Or if you wanted to do like we're doing, use fantasy grounds, the DM would just have his hands 
fool. I feel like he needs an assistant. You know what I mean? So, right. I, I'm glad you brought this up because Simmerg mentioned something during after our, in our post show last week about you know things that we can add to Twitch, mm-hmm. and I, okay. I'm definitely gonna hit you up on that. Sim, I just I didn't want to yeah. do it pre Christmas because I knew we were all gonna be in the holiday vibe. Yeah. But this got me thinking like there's just I can't realistically do all that stuff by myself like you have there have to be multiple people like i was thinking yep. about this today which we talked about this a few months back about in terms of like uh, there's no way i can realistically dm the campaign mm. plus moderate the chat which is why it's great that all of you are in the twitch chat being active with people because i've, I've got to run the stream run obs yep. get everything up and going uh dm everything run fantasy grounds and like at some point, I'm trying to tab out, and I, this is where I probably just need to get a second monitor so I can have like Twitch up on a second monitor or on my phone or something. But mm. it's just I'm realizing that it's way more intensive than I thought it was going to be to do all of that. It's a lot. And yeah. that, so when you just said assistant, I was like, yeah, it'd be great because I could use like two or three. Yeah. Because <laughs> that's it's crazy. Um, and and it, yeah. and I got to thinking about if you look at what it's a little different because they do it live. Um, but with what critical role does, I mean, they have a whole production team running yeah. lights, cameras, sound, yep. all, everything. And they just focus on playing. Whereas, you know, we're kind of doing all of it plus playing, um, which is a little extra. So yes, I agree with you. That was my long version. The way that we get to that level is support from you yes. out there listening, coming and watching yep. and following and, uh, you know, participating too, yep. because it, you can interact with our campaign. So yeah, those kind of things is what's going to make us grow. Yeah, yeah, it's coming up. The new, like, I think some people, I think it was one of my my community members, I think it was Gruntag, I think, who had recommended, like, doing the channel points thing. And they actually recently, <laughs> they actually recently were like, you know, you ought to make your channel currency. Just get rid of the justice coins and just make it a little bag of loot. A little loot bag because of the whole ninja looter thing, and then basically like you can <laughs> you can give me some of your loot for it to redeem. That's like their new thing. So that's funny, isn't enough. it? I was like, that's actually better. I was like, I'm gonna go with that. But you know, having you got like the the channel currency you can use. Like, Twitch has just got too many as a live streamer. It has too many like resources that could be utilized. And we we looked at things like how um, Ash as a creation, which I'll reference that because we're gonna transition into that shortly. Talk about some of today's stuff and things with it which i think are huge um but they do things on their like 24-hour live streams where you go and you like you know you can you could basically contribute but theirs is like via donations like towards the 24-hour like charity event thing but here you could just be like justice coins bits whatever and you could totally integrate that in and go well you could do this and like impact the campaign that is a great interaction especially when you um, where you're kind of at the scale of like where things are right now for that campaign that we're doing, because, um, you know, although to be fair, I just want to like shout out if you're uh, if you're ever out there and you're hanging out, you want to. This is my calling to anybody in my community who actually chooses to come hang out. If you really want to f with me, just come hang out and and come f with me. Get at me. The <laughs> dice already don't like me. The DM already doesn't <laughs> like me. Go on ahead and do it. Maybe someone out there will take pity on me and throw me a potion with some of those currency points. So I'm yeah, I loved yeah. how last week when when I rolled for that flavor roll. And it was a six, and I was like, "It's not me." I did. Yeah. The dice, the dice don't like the power. Right. <laughs> it's so true, but man, okay. So let's catch up a little bit on my part then. Um, 
lot of content videos. I've, I've been chipping away at things. I've got all of my freaking welcome videos up for Twitch, YouTube's, all three YouTube's. Um, oh, yeah, I saw the new trailer, by the way. Yeah. Oh, man, dude, I've been chopping away. I got game guides. I got my final game guide for the uh, for Ashes. Um, I'm going to be doing some stuff there. I've been chipping away at the bit. My editor's been helping a lot. Today, though, was a big day for, and I know Nathan's got some Pantheon stuff, too. But yo, today was a day. I was right. I've been speculating for months they were going to move to Unreal Engine 5. They did. It's an Unreal Engine 5 game. Epic is I'm Epic's been helping them along the way. Epic is now like helping them with things. They've got they announced it. It's official. It to me, I was like, this is the only thing that makes sense. Unreal Engine 5, dude. Literally. Wow. You should have seen it today. The the Lumen and Nanite as part of that engine are going to make the game come a long way. They outlined a couple specific things that I missed the first time, but I was making notes because I'm putting notes together for the uh, for Ashes HQ, which is the the website that I have for that game. Right. And and I'm going to put articles together that actually outline all of the different, you know, uh, announcements on the live streams and stuff like that. So I was sitting there chipping away. I'm up to four pages so far because today was a hell of a live stream. Dude, that game looks insane. And they haven't even done any of the actual work really yet is the crazy part. I have been at work all day and have not even seen this. So while we're talking, I'm just back in the background. Yeah. The, on the back end, it isn't impacting like any of their major code or anything. It's just, they just got to get things shipped over. This was one of the big ones, right? So I didn't realize this, but basically from like a a workload project standpoint in unreal engine four, they've actually been so limited, dude. If they wanted to work on something, they'd actually have to like have people get in, work on a part of like the, the game like environment or whatever if they want to go and start working on the environment they could really only have like one person at a time doing that with unreal engine 5 you can have multiple people working on the same layer essentially of the game as they're all in there at the same time yes and there's the the walkthrough that was done i'm gonna link that thank you wow dude i'm watching it now holy there it is that That's looks good. Amazing. It that looks, looks good. Right. And there's things you can do now. Like, oh, if I'm dropping off a cliff, I could just grab the side of the mountain or some shit. Like what? Yeah. Uh, This is going to be huge for the game. This just. Wow. Let me tell you, man. I, and I'd like to point out something to you because we're working in Unreal Engine 4 mm-hmm. for a point and click because we didn't see a reason to switch over to 5 right. because we're doing a low poly little project sure. that doesn't it doesn't need to take advantage of all of the visual no. elements that unreal 5 has one of the things that i love about unreal 5 is like it doesn't matter the level that you have they have mm-hmm. a contact page so i can only imagine the support they're getting from right. unreal because oh yeah even us little guys a little three-man development team we can go straight to unreal and ask them for a for a uniquely negotiated contract between them which includes support and training from their staff on all aspects of the engine to make it work specifically for the project that we're working on, which is, this is one of the many reasons that we switched over from unreal from uh, unity. Excuse me. When we when we went to this new project, we said, that's just one of the many reasons. Um, unreal is they're blowing it out of the and water. And we've talked about this before on the show, yes. like what they're doing with Mandalorian and the star Wars shows, and Disney plus yeah. and all this other stuff. Like they're, you know, it, 
And Unreal let's just be years. honest. Unreal's always blown out of the water, right? Yes. Like, mm. I mean, it's always been the engine um, for almost anything. Uh, so fantastic, man. That that was impressive. It just now wrapped up. But yeah, I watched the video and that's yeah. super impressive. Uh, so let me ask yeah. you this, Tim. This was something uh, you and your community discussed a lot. Oh, so yeah. um, you, you touched on it there. You said that like... Um, it's not that difficult because most of the code or if not all the code pretty much translates over or, or mm-hmm. somewhat to that effect. Cause that's anyway. all theirs. That's all ashes. So like that stuff that is, is completely separate from the engine itself. So it's not actually being impacted by this move whatsoever. I see. Okay. More awesome. systems and art cool. assets and things like that and how the lighting's going to change things. It's all, it's what, the biggest majority of it sounds like, but, and it's going to be like, it's going to take some time to, to like make that transition. But from a workload standpoint, because of the fact that they're able to have so many people working in the same area or part like system of the game, like that is huge, man. That's going to speed up the, the actual development timeline on a level. I we can't even really predict right now, but it's going to be, like production timeline is going to get shortened a lot because right. of this move. That's important. Yeah, that is a huge, yeah. huge bonus outside of like the visual. Like for me, that is the probably the biggest impact and po- most positive thing that we're getting is we're getting higher productivity levels, right? Faster execution on production timelines and the ability for people to not have to be like, let me, let me get out before you can get in. Oh, well, you're in there. I need to work on this instead of having to like, wait on that person to get done, wrapping up their thing, logging out, whatever. You you don't have to worry about that anymore. That is huge. I didn't even realize that they were limited in that way. Also the scale of the world. I didn't realize this, but the part of the reason it was, What's the number it was that they were able to do here? The limitation in Unreal Engine 4 was a limitation of 20 kilometers squared, right? In the world size. So they were actually accommodating, increasing the world size by adding the under realm, right? So it's 480 square kilometers at launch, plus another up to 100 in the under realm. And now that limitation isn't there. So this like limitation that was placing on their open world game now isn't there anymore because Unreal Engine 5. So like there are from there are so many different elements of this move to Unreal Engine 5. Take all of the visual aesthetics completely out of the equation. When you look at productivity and you look on delivery of the product in the game, like this is a massive win. I would say, though, I mean, just because they can make it bigger doesn't mean they, they should make that it they bigger. should or that they will. That's not even. Yeah. But for the future of the game, exactly. For the future of the game, that's where that comes into play. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, that's really good news because Unreal Engine Five is here, right? And it would have felt, it just would have felt a little wrong for the, you know, because no matter where you stand on the fence, Ashes of Creation is the next major. um, And and forget about development size, team, and everything. Talking about production here, right? Like it's the next probably release triple a you know as far as production value etc mm-hmm. mmo we're, we're gonna get right unless something crazy happens i don't think it will um so it would have felt bizarre for it to release on unreal engine 4 being the unreal engine 5 is here so i think this was a good move because for the future of it it would have outdated them only a few years after launch right like right. they would have begun to 
be outdated. Uh, I so think I think you're on the right track too, but I think it's also important to note that they're in a position where they actually could and should make that transition. Um, there's a lot of indie projects out there who I would not recommend making the transition because for an indie right. team to transition over the amount of work, I mean, somebody said in chat and it's I missed where it went, but somebody mm. was saying something along, Oh, it's good that it's that they're talking about how easy it's going to be. And I want to use air quotes around the easy right. because obviously they're going to, they're going to spin it in a positive way. Cause it is a positive thing all the way around the board. Easy is a very subjective that's why I'm using air quotes for it, because it still does come down to time commitment. Easy doesn't, you know, easy doesn't mean that it doesn't take time. And True. That's, that's something if you have a if you have the money and you can afford to pay your developers to invest the time to do the conversion to Unreal mm-hmm. 5, because you will have a bunch of assets that have to be converted yep. over, even if the code exactly. doesn't need to be converted. Sure. Um, and that's something that that Intrepid is in a position to do because they actually have the funding. Yep. Um, that was a point great. on the. That was actually a point on the live stream that was addressed too. like what kind of a cost is this going to come at now? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. how are we going to pay for it? And the, the long and short of it was uh, John and I can cover this. No worries. Which is Steven and his husband, who are basically the two running the ship, right? It's basically like I, I really hope this because uh, I think it will. It's looking really good for him, right? Yeah. Um, I hope that they just make so much money they don't know what to do with themselves, right? Because that that would be they've this is crazy what they've done, right? Like they've yeah. I don't know how much money they have, right? And that doesn't matter. That's yeah. insignificant. They have put a just a crap ton of money into this, right? So and this is a good project. What they're doing and building is really cool. It's mm-hmm. uh, what a lot of people have been asking for for a really long time, and they're making really good. I mean. They haven't made, as far as I know, right? They've only made one bad decision the entire development uh, cycle, um, which I'm not going to mention. Yeah, I, know I, know it was. I know where you're going. In with the this. past, we all know. We yes. all know. But um, <laughs> besides that little hiccup, which from their point of view, yeah. at that particular point in time, nobody has, uh, you know, hindsight's 2020. It's very yeah. easy to look back and be like, well, that was a freaking mistake. But at that time, I could see what they were trying to do, right? Same. Um, yeah. Uh, but anyway, they made a lot of good decisions. They spent a yeah. lot of their own money and investment and time and energy and uh, done really good PR. Um, Especially in the past been, several years. Yeah. They're just likable, right? Like they've created a company that feels like you you like them. And that's uh, rare in MMOs these days. And I just hope they make is, so much yeah. money, dude. I hope they just, I hope they're, they don't even know, they run out of banks to put it, you know, because uh, it'd be good for the MMO genre as well. That what yeah. you just said, I think, is the most important part. Is something that would be good for the genre because, frankly, and and so I haven't done the I, I did the 50th episode of Mondays and Emily months ago, and I just kind of decided that I wasn't going to do any more this year because I just was kind of right. I did 50 episodes. I do this show with you guys. It's like I don't need to keep, but I've been I've been watching train wreck shit happen, and it's mm-hmm. been making me want to go out there and talk about some of this stuff because it's like failure after failure after failure after failure watching these big triple a studios and indie studios just bomb dramatically and continue to tarnish the reputation of mmorpgs and meanwhile we've still got good games out there that are running on 20 years or whatever depending on the game you're looking at but they don't have you know the potential to get the sort of i don't i don't want to say this in a in a flippant way but they're not in a position to revolutionize 
and I don't, I, I, I hate using that word because it's not like these upcoming MMORPGs are going to change the industry, but they are going to mm. breathe new life into it and bring yeah. new blood into it, and that's something that's very important. And and I'm sick of, I'm sick to death of watching shit like Crowfall happen because mm. it's like you guys yeah, it's raised on our list. 40, 40 plus million dollars and you've got multiple releases big releases star wars galaxies shadow bane like big games underneath your belt wizards 101 right and you're falling flat on your face because why because of stupidity same thing with like shroud of the avatar and so it's good to see a company like intrepid yeah um being able to actually come up with something that is going to help the industry as you said nathan i agree the only ones that look like they're promising is literally pantheon and ashes for me at this point like there were other contenders in the in the pool that i thought had the potential like had the true potential to actually go and and deliver a quality product but they've either gotten quiet gone off the radar tapped out or done scammy shit so yeah. I'm going to put a tap on the Ashes discussion, even though I could sit here and go on and on about it, because that's what the Ashes Pathfinders podcast is for Sundays, 5 p.m. If you're watching this, listening to this later, you're going to catch this probably before the other one. Tune in with us there. The Pathfinders are going to be going to town on this. We'll probably have a nice big end of the year discussion. That's what that podcast is all about. So I encourage you all to join us there Sunday right here on the channel, 5 p.m. I'm going to put a pin in it if you want to hear all the other stuff, which there, by the way, was a ton of information. Then go check it out on Sunday and join us there, okay? But I am going to piggyback off of that. Look, I make a lot of videos around this stuff. I talk about gaming news discussions. This is what I, I thrive on having discussions around. I've been trying Archage. Look, I already talked about Crowfall. I know Monumental Bottom. Right. But the long and short of it is, is I don't see a ton of like, all right, hats off to the person that bought Crowfall because the person also backed the game and Kickstarter and believed in it and cared about it. Right. From that perspective, that's great. However, I don't really see that from my perspective to deliver on the scale of what Crowfall was supposed to be. I don't really see a lot of pro- uh, productivity from the person and the individual and the studio that's aiming to make this thing come to like deliver on the vision that is Crowfall, right? Sure. Mostly it's like mobile games and stuff like that, right? I'm not saying it can't be done. I'm just saying at this time, respect to the fact that you chose to do it since you backed it from Kickstarter, but that's all I got for you because I don't see enough. Uh, evidence to support that i think you could deliver anything on this scale that's just is, my opinion is is crowfall because i get this comment a lot right now yeah. i haven't really covered crowfall but i still hear this a sure. lot on my channel and and in my community is crowfall our final other people try it but is mm-hmm. this the proof in the pudding that making a r uh sorry i almost said the wrong word a pvp mmo based on because the because the pve is straight up a tutorial right right thinking around that it's a it's right. a tutorial um making a game solely focused on pvp in an mmo world just doesn't work is this the proof i i think i i, I so i disagree and i i don't know it could be the proof to an extent and what? i don't mean pvp in your game i mean right that's all your game is so right? I am going to make an Ashes reference point. So when APOC happened, there were three game modes that were planned for that, right? Uh, the BR, which is all we really got up until this point, they they pulled it as, for obvious reasons, 
the they learned a lot from it fair enough whatever castle sieges was another component and horde mode was another component we see something like horde mode in the epic uh, in Epic Games already with Fortnite in their uh, Save the World game mode. That sort of exists. So again, tying into Epic, you can see how that would have worked. Again, BR, you can see how that works because uh, Epic already has that for Fortnite as well. The the Castle Sieges, we actually, I participated in Castle Sieges when it was just its own game mode. We saw it in Alpha 1. Now, I always thought that the APOC game mode for Castle Sieges could potentially totally sell. So from that perspective, I thought Crowfall had a shot because what they were aiming to do was kind of innovative to a degree. The game maps changing, Castle Sieges being in there, this this sort of like um, risk. Seasons. The risk, yeah, the seasons. And their approach was, if you remember the Kickstarter, right, was that we're going to take the approach to this game much like the game of Risk, the board game of Risk. This was a part of their Kickstarter presentation, okay? And... When you jump in there now, there's no risk element. It's basically a Zerg fest at the beginning of the campaign. And once someone gets crowned king, the, the servers basically die until the next season. This isn't what this was exactly what you didn't want happening. If you go back to their Kickstarter and you look at their vision presentation, it, it literally they had actual people sitting around the table playing a freaking board game going isn't it suck when every year you get your family and friends around the table to play a game like at christmas everybody gathers around and they're playing a game together and you end up having this uncle that basically dominates every time and capitalizes on it and nobody ever wants to play nobody wants that ironically this is exactly wow. what happened with crowfall so you presented what you didn't want to happen and how the vision of your game was going to deliver on that not happening and then actually ironically wow. this is what happens Ooh, that's true to your this, game isn't it though this, yeah but that also happened in new in new world where true yeah. you know it's supposed to be three factions and uh, no it very quickly became it's one faction for every <laughs> server and everyone just kind of says well this sucks because they're dominating everything. I don't want to play anymore. Not that that's the only issue with with New World, but I think that issue exists in every PvP game, except Dark Age Camelot. Maybe, okay. maybe now it's a little different because you know you can hop to different things, but you still got to start a brand new character, right? And and today that means a lot less because the game's old as dirt now. But back in the day when it took forever to level up, and that's what they did so well. Is it had PVE? Had you know it wasn't the world's best, right? Like EQ was better PVE, but it had PVE, had you know random bosses and all this stuff. But took a long time to level up to get to a point where you could go do RVR for real, right? You could go out in the frontiers with the big boys and go and try to take over castles and sieges and siege weapons and all that cool stuff. Mm -hmm. And it took so long that the chance of you just doing flavor of the week was pretty freaking low. And plus, you'd have to pick a new server. You couldn't be three different factions on the same server. You'd have to go to a brand new server, start a brand new tune. Um, uh, and reputation mattered because that was an old school MMO, blah, blah, blah. So Crowfall made a few mistakes. In my opinion, you got to have PvE. I just don't see a way around it, right? Like you got to have some PvE. It, it, okay, let's, let's pretend like the exact seasonal Game of Thrones simulator kind of PvP. Let's take that and put it in a game where the PvP is pretty popular and does pretty well. And I personally think it's pretty cool and still has a good population. 
Elder Scrolls Online. Let's say that they did the seasonal thing like they announced and put that in Cyrodiil to where there were seasons, there was a king hey, or an emperor. He's the emperor now for until the next season. He's going to make some decisions that will affect your PVE a little bit, right? Like tax rates, whatever, 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 right? Yeah. And it was done the way they talked about doing it on the Kickstarter, right? Yeah. That would be freaking sweet because yeah. it just adds this really intricate layer onto your MMO that's already good without it, right? That's what I think PvP is. It's a good distraction. People get in the mood to PvP, the, and I'm talking about the majority of players, right? They have moods where they want to PvP, but they also have moods they don't freaking want to. And you got to have content or else they'll do exactly what they do in Crowfall. They'll they'll do it for a little while. They'll have the f their fun, and they'll leave. And they'll go play something else where it has actual content yeah. beyond that one-layered kind of thing. And castles aren't even included in all of the, the new season campaigns. I mean, you go look at the dev live streams, and they talk about, we're not going to have castles available for this one. We'll be rolling it out in the next one. You're like, the, it, the presentation, the vision was, this is like, you know the intricacies of the combat are important, right? The objectives are important. And it's like, if you can just Zerg fest it, it there's nothing interesting about it. It's just another yeah. one of the same. It's basic as fuck. Yeah. Uh, well, what is interesting to me, know? at least in terms of the acquisition is that I wouldn't put my money on the game ever resembling anything like what the Kickstarter was pitched as because it's changed too much since then and they're not going to have the money necessary to go back and fix things yeah. what they're going to have to so more than likely what's going to happen from here is whatever monetization they have in place expect that monetization to get monetized even more because the guy who just bought it out needs to recoup his investment as quickly as possible and have money on hand to pay staff to maintain mm. the game and adapt it and make whatever small changes they can to try to please the existing player base and to try to hopefully bring in some new other people. Because otherwise, mm -hmm. the history of that game is going to be Shroud of the Avatar, which yeah. is a game that is maintained by one dude who pays a handful of part-time contractors um, to run a game that at one point in time had you know $12 million behind it and almost 40 employees. That's the history um, that's the future, I should say, of Crowfall, unless they can figure out how to, uh, you know, get new players on board. And yeah. that takes money. Um, yeah. Yeah. Also, when you kind of like tell people that you're focused on Project Atlas, your other game, and right. the whole that's framework a, is okay. like yeah. you're moving your creative director, one of the ones presenting the vision in the Kickstarter, within a six month period after your launch, you're moving him to another project. I mean, all I think is you don't even believe in churn your own game. No, it's churn and burn at this point. It's, yeah, keep it's it there for money. Yeah, this is not making us the money that we want. And here's here's the tricky part with them. They are so heavily backed by investors that they they are beholden to those investors. They are not beholden to the Kickstarter fans. The Kickstarter yeah. fans raised a million or $2 million. Meanwhile, they've got 40-ish million dollars from investors mm -hmm. and they those aren't like private investors those are they did they did they did seed funding series a series b series b it's all public yeah. you can go look it up yep. there they are a, a c corp if i'm not mistaken um like they are beholden to those investors yep. and that number one objective for investors is make us money yeah so i don't 
I don't know how many people sat in or been involved. I've not been involved, but I've sat in on investor meetings. And that's not pretty, dude. That's probably the nastiest thing I've ever witnessed in my life. <laughs> uh, and I go on and I visit Reddit every once in a while, by the way. Oh, so yeah. You know, that's a good time. It's, to it's nasty, man. They don't give up. They don't give two Fs about anything to do with the actual, like, business. It's just money. Because, I mean, they, they, they put a yeah, lot of money line, in. Dude. To make a return. Money. I mean, that's yeah. that's what they did. They, and, you know, you can't do that and not get a return. So I get it. But, man, it's nasty. So you can just imagine. I can just imagine based on what I've seen, what it's like in the video game world, in the MMO genre specifically, where there's where things like cash shop exist, where things like loot boxes exist, mm-hmm. where all I can just freaking imagine how crazy those meetings must be. Like, um, dude. I'm just saying, I hope that you all that are listening and everything are watching are prepared. This is probably going to be a longer episode because we're we've got a good number of things that are absolutely rant worthy, not including our like super exciting lore slash epic story stuff that we're going to be talking about. So it's the the before Christmas. We have have permission to go long. Yeah, we're going Joe Rogan style. this time. Yeah, I don't even know what that means, but I'm going to trust that (laughs) Renfell means longer than usual. Before Um, we move on past the subject, I'm just going to make one statement and we don't even have to discuss it. Yeah, it doesn't need to be discussed. There's a certain MMO game uh, that's based in space that's raised $350 million. Oh, yeah. It's still in development. Just throwing Those it out there. Games, okay, let's keep right. it. Anyway, keep yes. Going. I um, I got to talk about this, and then I want to – I got to throw this in because we were talking about games that launch. Arcade and Chain, man, I've been making videos about this. It, it looked kind of promising at first. It just feels <sighs> – I wanted to, I wanted to feel like that game had a had a chance. I got in there for like the first day, sat in and I'm like I really am just like spoiler alert for my future content they're going to be potentially witnessing in the next week or so, but I literally am like seeing a lot of people away like little away tag next to their names just for this like daily every 30 minutes there's this like key that you get and you can use the keys well, so far it's not pay to win. So far the the shop's totally based on like player activity and like being logged on and stuff. But it just basically feels to me so far like a login simulator. Mm-hmm. Like you log in, you sit there, stay online, collect your keys, stay online, collect your keys, don't really do anything, collect your keys. Kind of feels a lot like get on to your dailies. You know what I mean? Sucks. Like logging on is kind of like the reason to be on. It kind of it, it kind of already feels like and if you took that element out of it, I think I'd probably would feel a little better about it. I, I actually want to give it some time, but it just feels like I'm missing out if I'm not constantly logged onto the game for the four hours it takes to get the eight keys. One every 30 minutes, if we collect it on tap, eight hours, you know what I mean? Or sorry, eight keys in four hours every 30 minutes, essentially. Put that to the couldn't side. They, you still got the grind your gear and currency to dump in thing that sucks. Couldn't so. they? Couldn't they just take the keys and put them in gameplay elements? Like, hey, if you beat this boss, you get some keys. If That's you, a good idea. if you, yeah. if you get, you know what I mean? Like, right. is that not more fun than just literally? You're here. Here's some keys. Yeah. Like, sort of like I, if you talk about the Elder Scrolls Online, take the RNG crates out of it, take these mounts and pets that are exist that are really badass that only exist in your shop and put those into meta achievements in the game, achievements based behind 
this is my main complaint with that game too so i just feel like it's all the same so, shit in other words joey and i need to modify our point and click game and make a, a new mmorpg is what you're saying uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, why yeah. i go I back to there's only a couple that seem like they got a spark of hope i could be wrong look the elder scrolls is a good game to play it isn't it, it simply is not offering that innovation and hope it's another one of the same when it comes to monetization how you acquire things you got to buy it from us you know what I mean? It, it kind of sucks. It's just, it's just, it's the same old thing. But I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Ashes think, don't seem like they're offering that. They're doing something different. I got to say that um, I don't like cash shops. I really don't. But I don't mind it so much when it's um, cosmetic. And and let me explain. I used they used to bother me too because I'd be like, "Ooh, the slippery slope. Ooh, he's going to fall down." But I got to say that like. To me, the cosmetic thing, right? Most of the time, in most MMOs, mm. when I I don't typically buy it unless it's something special. And I'm like, I want to look cool for the stream, so I'm going to buy this and, and look like a holy paladin or whatever, <laughs> oh, right? Lord. Um, so sometimes I'll do that, and I'm telling you. <laughs> but what 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 typically happens, right, is the developers get more money, right? And we're talking about cosmetic items here. Yeah, they get more they get more funding, but also for the people that don't like it right that just hate it i mean you don't have you know to what it, it is you yeah. don't have to do it and you you see the person wearing it you know where it came from mm -hmm. you know so it's just like it, it it's cheap anyway right like you see it in the game and it, and it just feels to you if you don't like it that it's cheap and you're like you just bought that on the cash shop bro who gives us who cares about you looking right. like that right so I, i'm beginning to evolve into just not caring about i used to it used to yeah. really bother me yeah now i'm just kind of like who cares right like you know what it is right yep. you it's not like you're like oh look at that guy's right. secret armor where'd he get that from dude you know it came right. from the cash up. you've seen it in the cash mm -hmm. shop, right totally see i think my issue with like okay so like ash is a creation right they have a cash shop right the cash shop stuff is pretty cool right really nice whatever but like the best shit is in game you're, mm -hmm. you're gonna get the best looking prestigious stuff in game the problem with like the elder scrolls for example all the really epic shit is locked behind an RNG crates. And there's this really small amount that's actually in the game. And you're so just kind of like, I can even, cause I'm, I'm pretty heavy into EverQuest two yeah. right now. And I can even point at that cash shop and say, uh, the True. coolest cosmetic items are on the cash shop. They're not in game. Um, cause that's what happens over time. You well, know? It's also 20, you know, 20 years old, however old that uh, game is yeah. now, like 17, 18 years old. But like, because they've got two different point systems. There's the daybreak coins that you get for your mm. all access pass every month, and then there's the loyalty points that you earn by playing the game and doing. And stuff, there's yeah. there's cosmetics right. associated with both of those. Playing the game. Are, yes, from playing the game. Playing loyalty not points are online, right? Different. No, uh, actually playing. It's actually playing. You cool. Actually have to play the game. Um, and and the cool thing is, is like there are really amazing items, but they they definitely put everything that's actually in the game to shame in terms of the coolness oh, of those armor sets. <laughs> yeah, which I always feel is a shame because it it should be reversed, like you said, Sim. It should be the coolest items should always be earned, and then you have these optional for the people who just want something cool for their character mm -hmm. for a stream or whatever the case may be. Um. Like I really love the the Lotro cosmetic store. 
Um, because some of the stuff in there you can actually earn in the game by playing and just right. doing quest stuff. Yeah. Some of it's stuff like as an example, I pre-ordered the Rohan expansion a decade ago, you know, whenever it came out. You can't th- those were pre-order items. That cosmetic set that came with that pre-order set, that was that was it. They have since added that to the cosmetic store mm. for real life currency. So that if you mm. want that set, you could still get it, but you have to pay money for it because you didn't pre-order it 10 years ago. But they didn't just get rid of it and say, no one can ever have this other than the pre-order people. They went, oh, well, if you want it, sure, you know, pay $25 or whatever, and you can have the whole set and look like the guy who spent 60 bucks a decade ago, which I think is fair for older stuff. Um, but the EQ2 one I can look at, and it does kind of rub me the wrong way, because like the coolest mounts, as an example, yeah, are all in the cash shop. And it's like... Yeah that kind of sucks because it takes away from going to doing the raids mm-hmm. and everything else to earn Absolutely. them. But for a 17 year old game that has a small population and needs to keep money coming in to keep that game alive, I can, I can, like Nathan said, it's not that big of a deal. Like I just yeah. kind of have gotten over it over the years. Yeah. Yeah. And you recognize it. And the, the, the bottom line is, is that what happens obviously over time is that, you know, if the, your player, if your population begins to decrease, so you need now you need right. to squeeze every dime you can out of your game to even stay online. What happens is an artist makes a cool set of armor. Mm-hmm. Somebody from upper management comes along and looks at it and says, that's really cool, but we need to make some freaking money off of it. So that's going on the cash shop, right? Right. So it's, I mean, it's just like that. That's the slippery slope. <laughs> I still think um, I was I was what I wanted to do with Saga and and I think it's a good idea. I'm just throwing this out there. I was I was wanting to do a Netflix style. Um, I was going to I looked at blending the Netflix style of subscription with the ESO style where you have multiple tiers of subscription mm-hmm. per month. So you pay what you want to put what you pay what you want to pay. There's a free version, then there's this version with coins per month, this version with more coins per month, this version with more coins per month. You have an in-game store that gives you certain items. Um, and you could look at as an example, this was a, a very good conversation I had. Uh, I don't remember who it was now, four or five years mm-hmm. ago, who said, if you're going to do a cash shop, you need to have certain items that you can only ever get in the cash shop. That way there's never any blending of between the two, like gameplay versus this is one example right. is cloaks. If your game is going to have cloaks, you either give cloaks to everybody or you make them a cash shop item and only you can only get them through the cash shop and they are only cosmetic. They don't have any stats associated with them and they're purely visual, purely cosmetic. They don't break the game, but that's the way you do it. And I went, I liked that. And then I looked at Netflix and said, I like that because now you're allowing people multiple tiers of access mm-hmm. and people pay what they want, you know, as opposed mm-hmm. to, you know, and, and people can go cosmetic if they want, or they can not go cosmetic, but it's a, slippery slope no matter how you do it yeah, it is because the only way to realistically monetize these days is to have some form of hybridized model you can't you're never going to make money on a free-to-play without a cash shop and you're not going to make money with a subscription-based game in my mind unless you're a huge franchise which yeah it's neither that doesn't there. always do it either right yeah star wars true. right yeah, yeah. Uh, so so 
one other thing about it is that um, when, when you're dealing with uh, when you're dealing with uh, subscriptions and people paying, right? It's worth noting. This doesn't get talked about a lot, but the price hasn't changed in a really long time, guys. Inflation's real, and so we're still saying fifteen this. bucks so, a month. So glad you're saying this because they're finally raising the price of of AAA games to seventy dollars. Right. People are freaking out that the uh, port of uh, Final Fantasy VII for the PC is costing seventy dollars. They're like, it shouldn't be seventy dollars. That's not fair. And uh, it's I like, saw hey, that. They're all their games moving forward are seventy bucks, right? Yes, it's twenty twenty one. Like the 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 price of games hasn't gone up for like fifteen years. The MMO subscription cost hasn't gone up for about the same as fifteen years. I'm so glad you said that, Nathan. This is that's a brilliant. Yeah, it's worth play. mentioning, and that's the part. As consumers, we're just, we just right. like, oh, fifteen bucks a month—that's what you pay for an MMO. Well, bro, that was true in like nineteen ninety-nine, bro. It's yeah, a, it's been a while since it's been a good then. Hot minute. The money that fifteen bucks ain't worth more near money to make games now, too. I mean, yeah. it's just—I'm not saying I'm excusing how people want to monetize. I'm just saying you got to take into consideration because. It, yeah. it costs more. The technology is more demanding. The power resource, like the the cost, takes more people, it, yeah. takes more humans. Yes, everything. absolutely. The production, like you want something with that quality of production where it doesn't look like something in 1999, then the chances right. are it's going to probably cost more to produce, or at least require more resources or people with more expertise than they had. Yes done. and no. Um, I do have some insight into that um, because. The, the reality is most people who are working at that level who can give you a product that looks triple a or even just double a like I, I i on a personal level i would not consider um uh, um ashes to be a triple a quite no. yet because they haven't launched i would definitely call them a double a indie like they're definitely up there borderline triple a if they can launch this product and and make themselves a big name then they're triple a by by all means um so those those level of engineers and programmers um can come with an associated cost if they are not part of the startup crew and this goes back to there's some great discussions by uh bill gates and other people on on starting a company and doing startups and how um no one no one should be taking vacations right and no one should be drawing a salary of more than forty to fifty thousand dollars a year during the startup phase until you have a launched product. And I can look at no names being named here, but I know of one company in particular where it's an independent studio where they have individuals on the team who are drawing a hundred thousand dollar a year salaries. And as a result, their burn rate is so high that they have to get a product out the door, regardless of the quality of said product. And then we can flip the tables and look at a game like Pantheon. Which is is not doing that, and they're they're keeping things. And Nathan, you could speak more on this than I can, but they're definitely not taking hundred thousand dollar salaries, and they're right. they're watching that money and saying, you know what, we need to just, you know, whatever's livable, the livable wage is is what we can afford to take until the product is out the door, and then if the product does well, then we can afford to pay ourselves more. And this is the this is a slippery slope because what Sim was saying about if you want the quality, you have to pay for it. That is somewhat true. Yeah. If it's on the if, project if, too. Right. If the people aren't part of your startup crew, because if the people are part of your startup crew and they're a talented and be willing yeah, to work skills. for that startup fee for like 50 grand or less a year or sweat equity, then you can get a quality 
visual out of it. That's Unfortunately, true. that's not going to be the reality for like 99% Most people, of yeah. projects. Um, yeah. Even with, I'll, I'll say even my, the previous project I was involved with, Saga Leucemia, we looked like dog shit for many, many years because we were learning how to do those things as we went along. We didn't have engineers with 10 years of experience coming into it. So I, you know, I love looking at the visuals for say ashes of creation and, and scene because as much as I, I enjoy Pantheon and, and I have high hopes for Pantheon, I will be the first to admit that they haven't hit the visual stage yet that ashes has, and it'll come eventually, but you know they've they've moved to the HDR HDR uh, pipeline now, um, and there's some interesting things coming along down the pipeline there. But uh, visuals, man, people are expensive, especially if you're working with North American talent who want a no. hundred thousand dollars a year mm. on the low end. Um, these things cost money. Um, right. it, yeah. it is it is just ridiculous. Um, yeah, you get like a bunch of people together who just have this awesome skill set. They're up to speed with the the newest art tools and tech and and all of that. And they're like, hey, I'm willing to contribute my time versus someone who's like, I really want to put this together, but I'm going to have to pay people. I mean, there's the scope and like the project size and and who's running it. What's the vision? Are people donating their time or they're willing to work for less? Are they doing it for like you were saying for like, you know, stakes of the company or something? Or are they doing it working for free until it launches and then taking a there's so many different layers, but I, I do want to like segue into what Nathan was going to share about Pantheon. Cause there was news related to Pantheon and I'm curious what all's going on there. Yeah. So, uh, they, they released their newsletter, which they touched on, you know, uh, which has mm-hmm. been some major progress 2021. Um, but they kind of touched on that, but the big thing, the big thing for the game, uh, is that we're moving towards alpha. Right. And, uh, cause it's still in pre-alpha. Um, and, uh, you know, Part of getting to pre-alpha, it, or I mean to alpha, is mm. that uh, they, they had to convert a lot of their zones uh, through the HDRP pipeline, which uh, made a huge difference on visuals. Uh, so they did announce that uh, a ton of zones are 100% all the way through, um, and uh, they're they're doing uh, a lot of the final uh, uh, piece work as far as like putting their own handmade assets into the world now. And um, most exciting thing for me that I flip chairs over today was that uh finally the warrior the paladin and the cleric have been implemented Ooh. in some degree uh into uh the client and and it's worth mentioning this new client that we won't get to test till obviously sometime next year mm-hmm. uh, we've never seen right so um they're getting their um uh uh networking their networking stack is uh, something that's in progress right now, which is a very big deal, obviously, because Alpha is going to bring in a yep. ton more people. Um, and so they're getting that all settled. That's something that they're progressing on. And the animations are in progress, which will make a big difference because a lot of the models look pretty good. They're obviously not in their final state yet. Mm. But like they they converted those same models, the HDRP. They showed this off uh, uh, a couple Last, of weeks ago. Yeah, a couple of weeks. And it looks good. It looks really good. Uh, so, But the problem will still be there. Because the animations are are just oh. stiff, they're just like the generic like you know run animations, etc. So it look yeah. no matter how good your graphics are, the animation is shoddy. Right to the human brain, just think the graphics are shoddy. Right, mm. the animation makes the difference. Right, you, so you even mentioned that when you um, not to, not to sidetrack away from Pantheon, but when you played our demo, um, those running animations are wonky, and you brought. I was glad you brought that up in the video because that's a thing. But we're not going to touch it until. Right. 
There's no reason to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's polished. Yeah. But it does take away from it because everything looks great. And then the way the character runs, his legs are kind of spread out like he's just got off a horse. And it's like, (laughs) God damn it, this looks bad. So, uh, you know, from Pantheon's standpoint, yes, uh, animations, they do. Because I've watched a lot of the videos and it definitely still has the, in a lot of ways, those animations are very EverQuest 1 y. Yeah. Um, Yeah. It's exactly what it looks like. Yeah. And and okay. you'll see comments where people say stuff like, oh, what was this game made in 1999, made in 2004? It's like, dude, these graphics are way beyond that. But I see where you're coming from because animations are, man. are looking like that time so, period. I'm curious, man, because um, you said that there was, I mean, Paladins weren't even planned originally, yeah? No, they were. They've always were they? been in the works. Oh, Actually, shit. at one point, and at one point pretty often, you could play them, right? Really? But they've done so many changes uh, the entire code got rebuilt, et cetera, that they pulled them completely offline to be reworked. And uh, now it looks like they're going back in. So I'm, hmm. I'm really torn because my original character in EverQuest was a ranger. But then when I came back many years later, I've had a lot of fun on P99 with the Enchanter. Hmm. And if they if they do crowd control right, I may end up having to play like the Enchanter style class <laughs> in, in Pantheon because I love that aspect of gameplay of locking down mobs but there is the part of me that still feels the pull of the ranger there's a pun in there for the pulling part (laughs) but i i you know it's it's plus you can't be you can't beat having a ranger gate you know what i mean like ranger gate is the cheapest form of transportation (laughs) available known to known to every man uh I can't break NDA here, but Enchanter is freaking awesome in Pantheon. Uh, I'm allowed to at least say it's awesome. So, you know, speaking of like kickstarted games, right? So was Pantheon kickstarted? I can't remember. Yes, it was. No, no, no. no. It was crowdfunded. Okay. Yeah, it felt its Kickstarter. And then they just went to the website and uh, started actually because they do. To be honest, let's just be honest here. Brad McQuaid scrawled down some ideas on a napkin and got excited as hell and went straight to Kickstarter, right? Uh, and by the time everybody found out about it, the Kickstarter was over. And um, during the Kickstarter, they started actually building stuff and getting some stuff together, but uh, they, they jumped into it way. He got too excited too quick and jumped on too fast. Um, uh, you know, he, he's a man led by passion, so mm-hmm. uh, it happens. But they did get super funded when they because people were just finding out about, I, I didn't even know the Kickstarter was up. I'm a huge Brad McQuay fan. Just didn't hit my radar at that time. I didn't I can, know. Um, and I can say this and I'm not going to say numbers, but um, because I was doing a lot of hype videos for their Kickstarter and I got hired as their first community manager or brought on, I should say, I didn't actually get hired. And I remember cause when the Kickstarter failed and then they went to the private stuff, um, <sighs> we were having weekly standup meetings and we were talking about, we were getting told how much money was coming in through the website and it was a pretty ridiculous amount of money that was coming in like would have met the goals of the Kickstarter and beyond within like three months after the Kickstarter had failed. And that Mm -hmm. was one of those things where it's like, you're not incorrect. Like they didn't have a demo. They just went to Kickstarter with an idea and some pitch stuff. Yeah, and it wasn't enough by that <clears throat> point. You needed to have a demo, and then once they had gotten past that, they actually had some playable content. And they put out some of those. I remember those early videos with like running around and killing skeletons and stuff. And it was very basic, but that's when the money yeah. started coming in. And 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 that I, I haven't been, I wasn't involved with that since then because I went off and did my own thing with Saga Lucemia shortly after that because I I left with Tony and all the original people when when they left at the beginning. 
Um, but yes, the the funding for that went crazy after the Kickstarter. Um, and it's funny because looking at it three months after, they could have funded it and well beyond had they just waited a little bit more. So let's talk yeah. Kickstarter. So Saga of Leucemia, no, not on there. Uh, Valor wasn't on there. These are games I've gone through. Uh, Defend the Night wasn't wasn't on Kickstarter. Uh, so Pantheon went on, but didn't uh, didn't, didn't get funded. Didn't from. do it basically. Um, Crowfall, right? Chronicles of Valyria. It Lyria. was funded. Chronicles of Valyria yeah. and Ashes of Creation went up. Now Ashes of Creation went up for additional funding and scope. Mm-hmm. Basically, it was more to get the community involved. And when Stephen says that, I actually believe him, especially with five years and now seeing that really they're just funding this. They don't need, I'm not, I'm not diminishing the millions that were raised on Kickstarter, but that in the grand scheme of things, they didn't need that. Yeah. And plus do the math, right? Like we, Renfell mentioned this one time, do the math on paying somebody a bare minimum and depending on where they live, 50,000 is a bare minimum in some places. Right. But let's just say 50 K do the bare minimum per year. How many people can you hire Mm -hmm. off of $1 million? Right. And that's not including buying things. It's nobody. Yeah, you've also got legal, you've got accounting, you've got overhead, you've got bonding insurance, you've got guarantees, life insurance, Mm -hmm. you've also got server costs, administrative fees, you've got PayPal fees, software licensing, hardware, dude. (laughs) It's like this is why so many I could rant about this why so many Kickstarters just completely fucking bomb because that that I'm gonna do this very quickly. Mm -hmm. You have fifty thousand dollars. Um, you just get a million bucks. Is what you said. Take take thirty percent of that off the top for all of your legal, licensing, administration, taxes, everything else. So you're left with seven hundred thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, dun, dun 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 divided by fifty thousand dollars per year. You've got fourteen people who can work for one year, and then you're out of money. You ain't building shit See? in one year. Building a tech demo in one year is what you're right. Doing. This is why whenever you get games like, and I can talk about this here, freaking Dreamworld going, the last game you'll ever play. It's not, dude. <laughs> Homie, with your what was it, fifty some thousand or what, fifty six thousand or whatever they got. Yeah, you're uh, people. You're not getting a quality. You're just not getting anything. Okay. Yeah, I like to think of this. If I want a million dollars today, right? And somebody just showed up my door and was like, with a briefcase, right? And was like, here's a million bucks, right? Would I quit my job? Would I? No, that's Hell to no. live to live good, right? To live good, in my opinion, right? To live life the way I want to live it, where I live, at least. I feel like with as many kids I got, et cetera, I need to be making somewhere roughly between 70 to 100K. Now, if I have a million dollars, guess where we're going to live? We're going to live on the 100K spectrum, right? That's 10 years, man. That's 10 years. Then what? Then what? You know what I mean? So like a million dollars mm-hmm. ain't squat, dude. It just ain't. It just ain't. And that's just me saying if I just want to live off of it. Just, you know what I'm saying? So if I got a million dollars, I would have to find a way. That wouldn't mean nothing to me. I would have to find a way. Now, I would take a good big old chunk of that. And 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 I would definitely be giving it to Visionary Realms because I'm all about that project. But the rest of it, I would have to find a way to take that money and make more money. Immediately. Yeah, you got to invest. You gotta immediately. Invest. Yeah. So people that so, are like, ooh, it raised $3 million. What yeah, happened? Bro, that ain't Dude, crap. that's a drop in the bucket for an MMORPG. It is a yeah. drop in the bucket, man. Here's the other thing, okay? Kickstarter, man, is it a thing of the past? Kickstarter recently revealed its plans to move the crowdfunding platform onto the blockchain in 2022. 
sparking a fierce wave of criticism around its move into the controversial world of crypto. Also, among the chief concerns expressed by critics were the highly questionable ethics ranging from reports of scams to allegations of money laundering, the steep environmental costs of crypto and its associated technology concerns, right? So Kickstarter's already had a bad rap. And look, I can't speak to what will or will not happen, but it just seems like there's less reason for anyone to even want to associate a project with Kickstarter now. Now it's got bad vibes. Now it's got bad vibes, right? Like immediately you hear Kickstarter and immediately your brain thinks, oh, Lord, here we go again. Here's somebody else trying to. Yeah. And also, if they're going to associate this with the blockchain, as many, you know, for every one project that's successful with NFTs and blockchain and crypto, like I was just reading the other day, there was another scam where a guy, uh, uh, I think it was a game developer, somebody hacked his Discord, went in and stole like $150,000 worth of NFTs and bailed before they figured out that they had been hacked. And it's like, and then you turn around and see Peter Mullen, Bucktard, whatever his name is, raising <laughs> $60 million or close to $60 million with his new NFT project. And Why you do you not shake- trust that guy? What Why? is happening? I, I know. What is I know. happening? I know. I know. Uh, Desperation, uh, I think, man. People, I mean, New World, this is what I learned from New World. <clears throat> Ashes and Pantheon are going to have a golden opportunity. Because if any, if New World taught me anything or showed me anything, it's how badly a desire is from people for an MMORPG that will just deliver a quality experience. experience. Yeah, and let's talk about that honeymoon period, too. Right, you <laughs> just got that game, and it's new, and you're like, "Ooh, this is so cool! It's got good graphics, and I don't know, I just like it." Uh, guess it's what? Two, when you weeks. when you think that you're just in the honeymoon period, that game is garbage. You you just can't admit it yet because you're in the honeymoon. Uh, that no. ain't that ain't good. Like, spend a little more time with that uh, with that new bride. Most, Let's see how most it goes. people are dropping off about two to three weeks in these days. Yeah, and I I salute guys like Gold who will spend a thousand hours playing a game because i sure as shit won't i couldn't have made it that long in that game there's no way i could have made it like 150 i think i think i made it to 80 i made it to about 80 and gave up the ghost i was like nope i'm I'm done like this is just not for me um i you know i think even kira tv might have put in like a thousand hours by now in in new world as well i say kudos to those two guys because i do not have the stomach i don't think i have the stomach to do any game but then I look back and say, well, I've definitely played EverQuest 1 and EverQuest 2, Lotro and Star Wars The Old Republic. I've probably played a thousand hours of those games, but it's been spread out over like a decade, not within like the first two, three months of a game. Like, I'm like, I, I can't know life a game like that. Like, ugh. like I could maybe if I'm really enjoying something, I could put six. It's really rare for me to play more than like three hours. A three hour session is about my cutoff. Um, I'm old so- now. So I want to say this because I feel like that a lot of the time, 99.9% of the time. And I'm, I gotta yeah. be careful here. I gotta, I'm treading on dangerous ground here, but I'm pretty sure uh, I can say what I'm about to say. <laughs> Pantheon has done multiple day sessions. Um, I'm, I'm kind of scared on what's been public and what's not. I'm not sure, but they've done multiple day sessions, yes, right? They have. <laughs> and I will say that it was so good, even in its pre-alpha state that i did not sleep i played from the time the server went up for days we played right and um 
I still didn't have enough. It was over mm-hmm. and I was still hungry. I was like, God, that sucks. Now what am I going to do? Now what am I going to do? I'm going to go back to the world of all these MMOs that aren't what I actually want. And, you know, and, and it's, it was disastrous. <laughs> so uh, there, hey. and I, and I believe ashes has that same. It makes you feel tent. better. It happened to me when alpha one right. ended and I, and it was, it was the same thing over and over, but something about just being in that world, you, you want to be in it, and when you don't get to be anymore, you're just like, damn. I, I felt yeah. like that. I still feel like that, and it's been months since I could play it now, and I'm like... So I, I uh, honestly believe when Pantheon comes out, I'll, I'll probably die. I'm going to have to, like... Uh, somebody's, <laughs> I'm going to have to get my wife involved to make sure I, I stay alive, because I just can't get enough. You're literally going to cut a hole in your chair so it's like a chair slash toilet. You're going to have an IV <laughs> yeah. trip. Drink, drink water, Nathan. Drink water. A clear, a clear seat for the what drink. What color is your yeah. urine? <laughs> like, are you dehydrated? <laughs> eat, eat the sandwich. Damn it! A timer every two hours to make you get up and do a hundred jumping jacks. Uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yo, so let's talk a little bit about some of the. It seems like between yeah, I mean Renfell, you've been posting some of these too, and it just seems like. Publishers taking, I mean, this happened with Arcage Unchained, Arcage now, Cacao Games is like publishing it. Um, a different publisher got, was it, uh, uh, was it Magic Online? Was that that game? Then there's, uh, yeah. then you've got yeah, that, studios yeah. being acquired, which is like, I'm just going to spam all these, man. Any, any thoughts overall? I don't, I don't necessarily want to like hit on them all in detail as much as i just like want to kind of gravitate around the topic that is acquisition or new publishers and kind of what we what what our like sentiment might be around all of this sort of stuff i I think from my perspective um i look at it in a couple of different ways one is that yes we have a pandemic going on but it's not been bad for all businesses some some industries are thriving gaming in particular Mm. is thriving because people are home just like so streaming platforms gaming platforms been it's been a bang out two years for most game companies and publication studios because they're they're just people have lots of free time on their hands and they're willing to spend money on things so from that perspective it's allowing companies to make acquisitions at the end of this fiscal year and from a from a fiscal standpoint this is when you want to be you know if you've got money left over Mm -hmm. and you don't want to pay taxes on it because we're about to the end of the year, and if you don't spend it, you gotta pay taxes on it. Then you spend it because that's your tax deduction. So you look at these companies who might have five, ten million dollars in the bank, and they're going, "Hey, we can maybe buy up this little studio over here, and that's an acquisition for us. Let them keep doing what they're doing, and now we own them, and we can take a cut of that pie, you know, as we yeah. as we continue." So I think that that's largely what we're seeing at play here um, happening. In, in a lot of these different cases. Um, the one that made me kind of scratch my head was we have a, it was the monster games acquiring Citadel mm-hmm. studios. So we have an NFT company that's made its money right. off of NFTs and blockchain and crypto who has purchased a, and I'm going to use air quotes here, a legitimate <laughs> MMORPG in the sense that uh, wasn't that legends of area. I think is what that game was yes. called. That's put together by a guy who worked on – he's a legitimate developer. He's been in the industry sure. for 20 years. He worked on um, uh, Ultima Online yep. and some other projects. I mean he th- that is a legitimate MMORPG project, even though some people will use the air quotes because it's you know had a, it's mm-hmm. not 
that great of a game. It's only been out for a couple of years and everything else. But that's an interesting one because now they're going to be monetizing that in a brand new way. So they're going to be looking to capitalize on the NFT craze and try to figure out how to make that work. I think that's a good case study in my mind to see whether or not an existing game that has been traditionally monetized through either a cash up and or subscription based model, if it even can be um, converted mm. and hybridized to also support NFTs and blockchain. It's an interesting That'll be case interesting. study. That would yeah, be. Nothing really else. Be. If you think it was, that would be a good case study, yeah. And it was a game built to be a game first, right? So yeah. that'll be yes. that'll be that'll be pretty interesting. I do mm-hmm. I do got to say uh, that uh, Legends of Aria, uh, which I was sort of excited about because I did like UO back in the day. I do. I'll never get over that feeling though that EverQuest just changed the landscape, and we kind of need to move on. Uh, you know what I mean? But I did enjoy UO back in the day, and I was pretty excited about it, especially because it had that special shard that was a recreation of. Uh, uh, Ultima Online, basically called Ultima Online Reborn, obviously must have been built by fans because I don't think they could legally do that mm. otherwise. Uh, but in any case, I was pretty excited about it. But the problem is, is you can't say that we're going to take a game from 1997-98 and we're going to read, you know, we're going to capture that magic and release it today and not ev- evolve it and or even have the same features the game had in 1997. Mm. Like, they tried to release a game that had less features than Ultima Online in 2019, I think it came out. And and that's it. Like, dude, that's not that's not going to cut it, dude. We're talking about a game that came out in 1997. It's not even like you evolved the graphics that much, right? Like, they're, th- you know, they're 3D. Okay, I'll give you that. But it's still a bird's eye view. It still looks and feels the same. It's still plays the same as far as the way the, the the controls work and you didn't do anything to bring it forward you actually took things away Backwards. from ultima online yeah so it's like dude you can't come on man like pantheon's trying to do everquest sort of some people are gonna slap me for saying it, but it's true they're yeah, trying to do that vanguard but yeah uh you're right you're right but most of the fans think of everquest but yeah you're right it's super is vanguard but they're not just taking that formula and just trying to do it again, they took tons of things and added on top of it to say, hey, in 20 whatever year it releases, those things are basic now. We have to to get the same feeling they had right. in 1999. We've got to add these things that will give them that same feeling. People aren't just amazed by walking out and being like, ooh, I'm online with other people. That's crazy. That 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 shit don't fly no more. That ship has I sailed. I can do that on my phone these days. Yes, you can do it on your phone. So that's what I think they did wrong is you, you can't just replicate. You have – if they did worse, then they didn't even do that. If they even did that, I think it would have been more popular. They Less features than the game that inspired them. That ain't going to work. Good time for it. And let's face it, we've all got phones, right? Joke. Yeah. <laughs> the, the second one on your list, the Embracer group. Embracer, um, That yeah. one, I think this that's a, that's a bigger thing. Because if you don't know who the Embracer group is, mm-hmm. they are... Uh, they are the company who is over THQ Nordic, Coach Media, Coffee Stain, Amplifier, Saber, Decca, Gearbox Entertainment, Easy Brain. They've got 86 studios and 250 franchises underneath their belt. This is a massive European company. Yeah. And they have a very good reputation of they're kind of like um, they just they like to buy small studios 
and then stay hands off and just let them do what they're already doing, mm. but they just want a piece of that pie. So it's like, you know, we're going to we're going to buy you up. We're going to let you keep going, but now you give us 20% of your revenue every yeah, year or 60% or whatever the case may be. Um, also, and this is not necessarily related to gaming. If you've been paying attention to the media at any point the last two years, these older artists um, are selling off their music catalogs for massive amounts of money. Bob Dylan did it. Shakira did it. Bruce Springsteen just signed the biggest deal in the history of music. He sold his back catalog for $500 million. Dang. He's 70, he's 70 plus years old. And he's like, you know what? I've only got so many years left in me to keep touring. I've been making millions my whole life, but now I have the opportunity to make $500 million <laughs> and live the rest of my life wow. you know, in even greater glory than I already have been. So these types of acquisitions um, are not just related to gaming. I'd like to point that mm -hmm. out. Like It's happening in a lot of different areas. That metaverse um, stuff that's going on is, is what I keep thinking of. Is You know, you talk about when you see all these like different places that are like kind of doing this it's like we want to have you under our umbrella so we're going to acquire a bunch of music you see this whole like and yeah i gotta it's a it's a separate topic but yeah the, I do the meta the metaverse is going to get really convoluted it, in my opinion do you guys remember when the internet was new i don't know if anybody else felt this way but when the <laughs> internet was new right it was just coming out and i remember I went and bought like some Fruit Loops or something, right? And I'm eating them and I'm looking at the box because, you know, before the internet, it's what you did. You ate cereal, you read, what, you read whatever was on the box. And so I'm looking at the box and I see Kellogg's.com. And I remember I was like, are you freaking serious? Do you right. guys need a website? Seriously, Kellogg's? That seems silly now. But at that time, it was yeah. like, everybody's got to yeah. have a .com. Like, you know, who wants to go look up Fruit Loops on the internet, right? That's what I was thinking. Now, obviously... It was a good decision, right? But at the time, things were super convoluted. It was like, dude, okay, okay, I don't got time to go to everybody's website. Um, and I think that the start of this meta thing is going to be super pop, or super like that, right? Like everybody's going to want to have their own little freaking pocket of the universe, right? And it's like streaming I'll, platforms, like it's a, yes. anyway. I, I'm like yeah, bouncing true. everywhere. That's at this. true. It's like streaming platforms for like Disney Plus and HBO Max, and you got like all this stuff happening amazon it's like i see Terror. it everywhere around me dude it's like everything right now it's like let's let's <laughs> bundle up everything we can everything we can acquire like and it's like the nft and blockchain thing is like there's this big driving catalyst behind it am i just too old am i thinking this is like it's just no freaking no, weird what it dude is, i don't want to do this this is what they do, right? This is what this is what companies do, right? This is what happened to the MMO genre is <sighs> they saw lightning in a bottle, right, with World of Warcraft, and then they just tried to do it everywhere. Like, yeah. oh my god, we need we need to be World of Warcraft. We need to do one. Blah, blah, blah. And it just it ruined the genre because we got overloaded with a bunch of shovelware crap. Games, they yeah. didn't even understand the spirit that was driving that that success, right? It worries me for games, man. It does. Yeah, like Ubisoft right. is all like, "I'm oh, we're getting." What was it, Renfield? Last week we talked about. Remember Ubisoft the NFT and their bullshit. NFTs. Uh, thank you. It's like, um, dude. Oh. So this is gonna be interesting to me because the third one on the list um, was just Daybreak has now taken over mm. publishing for Magic: The Gathering Online, which is right. a 20 year old game. Yeah. Now, if they're hands off, they've been very hands off with the with Standing Stones Games, who does DDO, with Dungeons & Dragons Online and Lord of the Rings Online, th their operations have never really changed over the years, other than Lord of the Rings Online started doing uh, 
the boomers. Um, uh, Lord of the Rings Online started doing the the legacy servers like EverQuest one. Uh, that was the one carryover that we got from Daybreak. Yeah. So that's not uh, that's not really of an acquisition, so to speak. But I also wonder whether or not that's going to start to become a NFT craze, cash shop bullshit. And and I feel, I kind of feel like so it, this is an interesting thing. I'm gonna side rant for just a moment. Yeah. Because I, on the one hand, I I can see ignore the gorilla pics and the and ignore the the JPEG component of NFTs for a moment and and go yep. back to what we talked about a few weeks back when I first was talking about it, like my brother had explained it, which is thinking about in-game items. Those are also NFTs. So so ignore the because right. that's the craze right now is yes. the JPEGs. Right. Sure. Throw those out the window right. because NFTs can be in-game items. Right. That part of it is extremely interesting and has a lot of potential. But everyone's caught up in this JPEG craze right now, and so that's what everybody's focused on. And yeah. that is is stupid, crazy, scammy, <clears throat> wild west. No one knows what's going on. There's way too much risk involved, etc. And at some point, I can look at that and go, I somewhat feel like a boomer. When I look at that, because I'm like, I just don't get it. I just don't get mm. the craze to buy a JPEG because no. I don't see any value in it. And so all these people are like, yeah, but you could buy it and then you own it. And it's like, do I? Because I can print it out and post it on my wall and I own that and I can touch it and feel it and look at it. I can right. smell it. Like the 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 blockchain ownership doesn't mean anything to me. And, and in that aspect, maybe I am a boomer. In, in that component of it, um, because I don't care about owning the code for a JPEG. I do, however, and am very interested in owning items in game sure. because my brother and I playing Star Wars Republic recently, he has he has legacy items from the launch of the game that he just he sold for like 100 million credit in game. Oh, and, and, and he and I were talking about this. It's like, really? If that was an, yes. I was like, if that was an NFT from a game that launched 10 years ago and you had spent, you know, it took you three hours of game time to earn that item way back when the game launched. Then it went out of the game and you've held on to it for all those years. And now you have it and it's worth say 10,000 us dollars in real currency. That component in NFTs fascinates me. Mm. And I think that that's a very cool component. And it, it. and it could be used for good too, right? Like it could it could spawn developers to do fun things. Like, hey, there's this event happening this month, Wolf FOMO, and right. if you join it, there are uh, a chance. There is a chance that you might get these super rare drops that we'll never do in the game ever again, right? And and it kind of inspires them to do maybe cool things. Now, just like any good idea, though. What humans do is we take a good idea and we, we immediately, as fast as we can, make it awful. Like it's just like a race. Who can make this awful the quickest, right? But you can see that there could be some cool components come from that. And how cool would it be, by the way, to have a piece of a chest plate, let's say, that or is worth one. Yeah, that is worth ten thousand dollars, and you're not going to sell it because it's worth ten thousand dollars. I'm wearing that, right? Like. Yes. That this you you look at that you know what that is you know what I mean mm -hmm. that's cool that's a cool that's a cool thought mm. you know that part of it I get and and I would love to see that evolve more the JPEG craze I can't get behind and uh, I understand why people I understand why people are reacting the way they are to like Ubisoft coming out and saying hey we're gonna give you all a bunch of cool 
this is the reason why the the Ubisoft one failed. The Ubisoft NFTs, those those JPEGs and stuff, you can only get those by logging hours in those games. And those games are not popular games. No one's playing those games. So the value of those items currently are not worth anything because they they're the ecosystem is so small for those because it's only within those games you have to have an ubisoft account you have to play those specific games so there's no there's no actual resale value there whereas if you look at say uh i was talking about this last week um quentin tarantino putting up an nft from pulp fiction that is an internationally resellable nft which theoretically has more value because it's not within that tiny little ecosystem. Yeah. And that's why we're seeing companies like Ubisoft get kicked in the head and have this reaction from people that are like, so what? Like that sucks. Like you're, you're just trying to, that's literally you trying to get rich quick and jump on the NFT bandwagon, cough, cough, Peter Molyneux, um, Mm. you know, trying to make millions of dollars off of this craze without actually. And I think, Simmer, you've talked about this in this episode already, without actually doing anything to better the industry or better the genre or better the game. You're just trying to get rich quick. Right. And that's that's the gut reaction that most people are having about the NFT craze right Mm -hmm. now is we're just looking at this as people trying to get rich quick without adding any value to the genre. And that's like sucks. Like the Prince of Persia remake Ubisoft. Every time we talk about Ubisoft, it's like, this is it, the craze. This is a perfect example of a similar behavior from the same people. Rant incoming. It's like, you know, when Final Fantasy VII released a remake, it was a remake of the game. Hold up. Ah, don't do it. Don't mention it. The PC port's pretty awful. Let's just I, let's not. I, I, no, no, no. I'm put, put the PC port aside. I'm just talking about when it released. It was a different, yeah, a different game. It wasn't just like let's take it and give it a facelift, like an HD or something. And yeah, what right. what did they do when they gave they did the remake? Of the Prince of Persia game, it's just an HD version of the game. You didn't remake anything. You just gave it a facelift. And they called it a remake. And they called it a remake, right? Yeah, that's bullshit. That's bullshit. That's the problem. We just want to get rich quick off of... all the time. Yes. We just want to call it a remake. Yes. Just call it... That's why, like... Full throttle... It was full throttle remastered. Yes. That's what it needs to be. Exactly. We saw you use a word that made it a lot of money and we want to do it too. You cheap bastards. You didn't even put the, you didn't even invest in, in actually relaunching it as a different thing. Re-envisioned at least final fantasy seven was a remake. They did that. Like it's not the same game at all. No, no, it's a totally different remade. They remade the game. Exactly. Let's throw a tag on it and make some money off of it, dude. Which, Look which, at skeezy, homie. I, I wish I, I was really hoping Sorry. I heard Good. Final Fantasy like, oh no, he, oh no, he's gonna say it. Because now I have to say bits. Only a few episodes ago we talked about the NBA 2K, which I'm not even a sports oh, game shit. player. <laughs> yeah. And now, and now Square Enix released Final Fantasy 7 remake for PC a year, right? So they had a yeah. year to work on this bad boy. And there's nothing but bad things. The options for graphics are abysmal. I mean, just this is a console game on the PC. When? How? So, all right. So, Square Enix isn't new 
right? Like they've been around the block since the 80s, right? Like they know what's up. They know that PC has options, right? Like we need to have options because we have different graphics cards. We have different processors. We, we You can't just say, here you go. PC's not a console, right? Like we're not all the same. That's we fair. all have different setups and you need to give us options so that because – PC gamers are all different, right? Like yeah. some of us are all about the frames per second. That's probably the majority of us. Some of them don't mind that as long as it sticks between 30 to 60 frames. I know I'm not talking to very many people now, but 30 <laughs> to 60 frames if the <laughs> resolution is maxed out at 4K, et cetera, right? Like yeah. you have to give us those. If they release Final Fantasy VII Remake, which is a such a good game, dude. It Just is. incredible game. And then you release it to oh. the PC crowd And and you've had many games released to PC. You've had plenty of time to figure this out. And this isn't just some random game. This is Final Fantasy VII. This is the the game that put you on the the map. This is how people, the mass majority of people know you. It's from the original release, Final Fantasy VII. It blew up, in North America at least. In North America, it blew up. And tons of people learned about RPGs because of that yeah, game. True. It's just it's it's a legacy. Yes. And it's a damn shame that you did a year to port it. You mm. didn't put in the bare necessities. Damn. And they'll fix it. They'll add it. Yeah. But that's beside the point, man. The bear knew. Yeah. Somebody that works at Square Enix knew. Like, dude, PC players are gonna be freaking pissed. Someone Somebody just said that. Somebody said yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. It's unbelievable. Oh, five FPS for the win. I'm just like, it's just, it's basic. It's It's basic. basic It's like saying, it's like being like, I'm going to release this game for the PS4 and PS5. Oh, crap. We released it. We forgot to put controller support. Bro, that's the bare necessity of the game is that... It has options and it works for the yes. user yes. that is going to be playing it. Yes. It's un- it's just unbelievable, man. I know. God. <laughs> like, it's, it's such a good game and I'm seeing all this negativity. I'm like, man, you guys blew it. You blew oh, it. Oh, man. Do- they do not have the PC gamer, right? Like oh. Final Fantasy 14, maybe. 14, but yeah. the, the core yeah. series has never captured the PC player for real, right? And that is a gargantuan market. And I thought this might be the one. I was like, wouldn't it be cool if Seven got them, you know, on the map for consoles, and mm-hmm. then the Seven Remake got them on the map for PC? That would be freaking epic. Nope, done screwed it up. Screwed it up. Sorry, the Limp Biscuit song was running through my head as Sparrow put "Breathe In, Breathe Out." I'm like, hands up, hands down. <laughs> like, <laughs> wax on, wax off? Question mark. What? Uh, did you see this stuff on Legend of Zelda? I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm stepping away, dude. Like, I, I, I saw that they were porting it over. I know they're doing the Final Fantasy VII remake in chapters. It looks like they're adding some content as well to this, but it's also being added to the game in general, right? But yeah, that's. I was actually pretty stoked about the fact it was coming to PC, and now I'm hearing this. I'm like, oh man. Yeah, just wait. Just oh, wait. I'll just chill Freaking, on it for a while, I guess. Yeah. Good things come to. How about the Legend of Zelda? There's like some little teasers in there, man. I've seen some teasers as of late. Have you seen some of these teasers? I have not. About, you talk about for Breath of the Wild too? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I've seen a little bit of that. Yeah, there was like this like hint at uh, Nintendo's having a pretty good year. Dot dot dot. Why, uh, Breath of the Wild two release date revealed in IGN Nintendo podcast. They're thinking launch twenty. This is really hard for me to buy into November twenty twenty two when we haven't seen anything. I don't know. Nintendo's weird, man. They're they did really weird. They did axe that potential Netflix show because they even someone even mentioned it. Yeah, they're pretty weird, man. And I think it. You know, like if you think about development, and Nintendo's even weirder. If you actually look into how they develop Mario or Zelda games, um, mm-hmm. they do it kind of backwards from everybody else, right? They try to make the gameplay fit the the core of the story or whatever they built at the beginning, instead of leaving the 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 animations and things last they do that sometimes at the very beginning because they and then they build the game around that right so they have a weird so it wouldn't shock me because it could just be that like they had very specific areas that they could show maybe and that now they they don't every time we that nintendo's released to us that's what the game looks like right we've never i can't think of a time that we they've showed us early footage of the game yeah they do keep it pretty close to the chest that's a good point so it wouldn't shock me if they're like just now getting to that point. They're like, all right, we'll show it off. And Take plus, dude, you also, you also got to mention that they kind of screwed us on the Legend of Zelda anniversary oh, a little no. bit, you know? <laughs> so it might, they might also be looking at like it's kind of bad timing right now. People's feelings are a little hurt. Maybe 2022 is a new year and we can just kind of do what we want. Now. Yeah, that's a fair point, man. Um, I don't know what to say about that, except for uh, I hope it's next year. That would be amazing to get that next year. I, I loved I Breath of the me. Wild so much. You think it's, it's worth it's, it? Yeah, it's such a mystery, man. You know it what I mean? Is. Like, we really don't know. No, we don't. We're I think we're all just kind of hoping it's Breath of the Wild, except for yeah. we got real dungeons. That's what I'm hoping for. Oh, like instead of it just being little trial down. things. Like yeah. The, I mean, those are, those are cool for like a little side hustle, yeah. but that was like huge part of the game's gameplay uh, outside of just the main story. Yeah, go in, yeah. solve a puzzle, get and the I, thing, and get out. And I, yeah. I didn't care for that a whole lot. I, I love this story, though. Yeah, yeah. And, and even the, the side world. stories. Yeah. And and the, 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 the uh, what were they called? The, the, uh, the guys you had to there's four of them and you had to get them and then they shot the little laser at Ganon's castle. Oh yeah, yeah, um, those cool. whatever they were called. The Divine Guardians or whatever. It that was, didn't yeah. feel like a dungeon. Divine though. Beast it felt like right? a Divine Beast. Yes. Yeah. That, that that didn't feel like those didn't even feel like dungeons. They felt like just a yeah I don't, I don't know. mechanical felt construct. Different. Yeah, it, it felt like you know when you I mean I don't know if it's a good. Uh, reference point you know like god of war you go and you have to take out these big massive like guardians and you're like running around slashing or like this other game like steps to it yeah. yeah or what's the other one it was called i forget the the game name but it was like i think it was a console game and it was like you had to go up on these creatures and, uh, shadows, shadows of the colossus yeah. thank you yeah. that was it it kind of felt like that but like more of like you had to get inside and manage it yeah yeah um it kind of felt like that. So I think if if Breath of the Wild 2 were to deliver, I think I'd be pretty stoked if it was like, let's do something awesome with the story like you did before, except when you give us this extra stuff to do gameplay wise, get away from like those, you know, those little uh, 
places you can go to like 110 of on the map and it may be yeah. maybe focus a little bit more on like the the old dungeon crawler element yes. somehow and vary yes. it up a little bit more i think that'd i missed be cool. that i yeah. missed that the entire i played the game a few times but yeah. i always miss that like man it'd be cool if there was like a real dungeon and i thought they'd do dlc like they'd release one big epic dungeon but they never you know they didn't yeah. so same once i got through the main story for breath of the wild i was pretty much happy with uh yeah it's great yeah it's great yeah i think i would have had more replayability if see then they had that whole like night and day thing like at night things are going down or whatever and you've got to go that would be cool if they added dungeons and they added some procedural generation Mm -hmm. right and then did some sort of a thing around that i think that'd be kind of cool World yeah. boss sort of things that maybe spawn differently that there's like a chance for certain gear and maybe you can't even go do certain content in the patches or dlcs until you go dungeon dive and dungeon crawl these procedurally generated like dungeons and you know you sort of like built up your arsenal to where you could handle it yeah that that, that would be kind of cool but it's just me brainstorming it's not anything i really thought about a ton it just seems Before like it was on- better yeah because i know the switch will probably never come back up again um yeah <laughs> i have been playing okay so i have this thing right where at christmas time yeah i really just want to hold a controller and play console game it's because growing up that's what i right. that's what i was doing around this time right yeah, so so true and that. i just get oh god it just eats me up and i want to play something old school usually you know but anyway so it's been hitting me again and mm-hmm. uh i tell you what dude i got shin megami tensei 5 right because i heard you know i've heard about this series forever yeah and just never played it never didn't seem like anything i would enjoy i bought it because people are raving it's super awesome and all this kind of thing so i bought it. it's a jrpg and what it is is you collect demons right and it's this it's it's like this uh it's like they took christianity from a japanese standpoint and tried to tell a story in the framework of like the the old and new testament right okay and it's super interesting like it's super interesting because it's kind of like their interpretation then they mixed in gods and uh from all different cultures all around the world but basically what it boils down to is it's a super old school rpg type game where you instead of you collect these demons you, you gotta like convince them to join you mm-hmm. and it's super adult like it doesn't even feel like this belongs on nintendo console there's times where i was like whoa can't believe Nintendo's letting them get away with this. But um, uh, it's like the addiction of Pokemon, except for it's super adult. Because you can take the demons, you can fuse them, make new demons, and then take those new demons, fuse them with other ones. Interesting. And getting getting them is hard because they all want different things, right? Like they might want money, they might want to kill somebody, they might want, you know, and so you got to figure out all these ways to collect them. It's a really good game. Anybody that likes RPGs, especially, it's pretty anime. So you got to... You got to be oh. able to see oh. past the weeb. Some people can't do that. It's a little tough. Uh, for I'm me. not one of those. <laughs> I have a hard time with the weeb. Yeah, it might yeah. be a little tough. If you have a hard time with the weeb, it will not convince you. But if you don't, <laughs> if you don't have a hard time with that dude, it's one of the best RPGs I've played in years. It is. Somebody fantastic. needs to make a T-shirt if they haven't already said this is feel the weeb. I'm just thinking of that logo right now. Feel the weeb. <laughs> Ooh, we we had a discussion point talking about. The next great MMORPG. It's a question I've posed in multiple places as of recently. The what? The, the next, next great? great MMORPG. What will it take 
to be the next great MMORPG. I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say it's an unattainable dream that people need to stop fucking pining over. Yeah, yeah. it's not gonna happen. It, the it, it's it's like trying to say it's like trying to recreate Star Wars, mm. right? No one's ever gonna be able to recreate that because that was a place in time in history where it was just George Lucas was in the right place at the right time. It, and and that catapulted I mean what what did we get out of that? We got ILM. ILM then went on to inspire Weta. Weta which created Gollum. Gollum created the um the the technology behind Gollum has then uh, started this whole new animatronics movement of of now we're getting movies like the planet of the apes and all this other stuff so but if you if you follow that chain back I, it drives me nuts when i see a, a show comes out like say wheel of time or witcher mm -hmm. and immediately the first thing all the reviews are saying next game of thrones and it's like it's not fucking game of thrones it's not it's game of thrones dude it's a new show it's a new ip but people get galvanized no. by these moments in time that are impossible to recreate they'll never be able to recapture those th when lost came out lost was an international phenomenon sure. because of right place right time game of thrones came out right place right time star wars right place right time you can't recapture that and i'm so sick to fucking death as i'm ranting now but i am sick of this I am sick of people saying, you know, and not nothing against you, Sim. It's this well, is just a greater. I, to be fair, I do think you took. So my point is a great MMORPG and yeah, one that is next, head. as opposed to I think where you're going. Okay. You're you're actually off on a completely different topic than what I'm presenting. To yeah, be fair. So that's what I think, though, that the framework for a lot of people is, though. They is think what's going to be World the Warcraft, next World of Warcraft, right? right? Yeah. yeah. So Which, I'm saying a great I, MMORPG, one that's. The next game we can play that could be a great one, not necessarily the next World of Warcraft or something. Okay, yeah, I totally misunderstood what you're saying and went off. Yeah, and, and what it would make to, to, to what it would take to make it great to make a great MMORPG, and I think there's lots of reference points of what aren't great, right? Right. So some of those would be like, I mean, <laughs> don't launch a game that's not ready to launch. Right, don't have pay to win. What would make a great MMORPG for us? Just a great one, just a great MMO. What would make it great? What would those qualities be? Unfortunately, I don't. As, as much as I love EverQuest One, there's a lot mm -hmm. of things that you could not launch EverQuest One in today's market and have it. Still a great RAM, by the way. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's yeah, it's, I. That was my bad, though, because I totally misunderstood. That's so how most people would take it. Yeah. Yeah. To, so, to yeah. be fair, totally. it's a great point because I hate what they're doing, too. And it's like, well, time comes out and you're like, the next Game of Thrones. I'm like, why would you even do that? Why even like yeah. tag with some completely different universe? It doesn't. Anyway, yeah. I did. Anyway, continue, please. Yes. I I've loved. I, I think for me, I always come back to Lord of the Rings Online as being like sort of like this this game that I can look at that has, it has all the right things, but yet it can't keep me around on an annual mm -hmm. basis. Like I dip in and I dip out. And so I, I go back to looking at EverQuest one. I think the only reason that I didn't dip out of EverQuest one was because there weren't other options. Mm. So now that I have lots of options, 
I want to play all those things because I like to. I like burgers. I like fries. I like milkshakes. I like. I like everything. So I'm going to eat everything. I like games. So I'm going to play everything. Um, I don't. I don't know. I look at Lord of the Rings Online, and for me, I always come back to that game as like it has the best writing I've ever seen in an MMORPG. Yeah, it's so good. writing is important. Lore, backstory, a world I can actually believe in and get involved in. It has the way the quests are presented. We have the epic volume quests, which take you on this epic adventure that mm. spans the continents, or the continent, I should say, and all the kingdoms and everything else. And then in between there, you have the the Shire, and you have Arid Luin, and you have the Trollshaws. So you have zones that are unique in their architecture and landscape, and you have quests that fit within the lore of that zone, but are also tied into the rest of the world. I always come back to Lord of the Rings Online and think that that is an MMORPG that did it right. And if if more companies would invest in making games like that, I would be far more interested in playing those games mm-hmm. beyond that two- or three-week honeymoon period. Because unfortunately, what I see most games doing is they come out and it's either going to be a New mm-hmm. World fiasco or the Lost Ark thing which I talked briefly about when I played the open beta. Yeah, and it was like, same. oh, what, another generic, I'm the savior prophesied one, angels telling me that I'm destined to right. save the world. Like, I'm out, I'm out, yeah. I'm out. Like, yeah. right. so that for me, if if we could see a Lord of the Rings type game that could give me the story and the lore and everything else, like, I've never played that game for less than like four to six months at a time. Every time I go in, I'm in for four to six months. It, it, and it doesn't matter. I've played that game since launch, and I've still never gotten to Gondor, never took the ring to Mordor. Like, mm. I'm still the farthest I've ever gotten is Rohan, despite that game being out for so long. So, for me, that's my answer would be something that could approach what the Lord of the Rings Online has in terms of scope of world and lore and just a lovability of, of the characters. And there's so much there when you look at the Shire in particular. Like, it, oh, yeah, you really maybe. feel like a hobbit. Like, you can like run around and deliver pies and 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 you can go do beer drinking contests in the, the in the tavern crawls and you can get so drunk that you literally pass out, wake up somewhere in the world with no pants. Like there's just fun role play stuff and the pipe smoking and all the outfits. And yeah. um, but it also helps that that game has a lot of other media and lore that gives it that depth True. and breadth. Yeah, and that's something that I think a lot of games are lacking. Um, they've tried. Uh, I'll give it an example of this. Um, Otherland, I think it's what it's called. It's either Otherland or Otherworld. It's a series by Tad Williams, which I love. It's like a, it's the metaverse. His the, that book series is about a metaverse. It's like the internet when it becomes a metaverse, and like the kid who's a paraplegic in game, he's Thorgar the Barbarian, the baddest nice. warrior in this MMORPG, but in real life, he's literally going to die in three years because he's got that aging syndrome and so he's bedridden. Damn. And they tried to make an MMORPG out of that because it was like, this is a cool idea, all these worlds that we can go to. So these are the zones, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it has never done well. It's never been more than like a game. It's never been more than a really indie game that has a few thousand people playing it, unfortunately. Sorry, yeah. that was a long answer. No, that's, that's ah. good. I, I agree. I think a lot of the things you mentioned in regard to like the the, you know, in a, in a world is to me it's just immersive and and immersion's huge. Yeah, Nathan. I I always go back to um, 
I need to feel like if I'm going to long-term investment, right? Um, I need as much as technology can allow for you to get me as close as you possibly can to Dungeons and Dragons, right? That's mm. how I feel. So, like, okay. there has to be enough complex complexity for me to not feel like I'm the exact same as every other person who's logged mm. into this game, Got right? Um, and that right there is yeah. why I'm a huge Pantheon supporter. Can't tell stories yet. One day I can, but things have happened in pre-alpha where I'm just like, dude, this wouldn't have even been possible mm-hmm. if it wasn't for this, that, and this, and that, which made this crazy life, like I'll never forget it, happen with me and my group. But it's because they gave us enough freedom in the actual gameplay for us to do things. And I don't mean like cheese in a boss fight. I mean like built into the game systems that allowed me to do things with the world that allowed me to see things and do things I should have had no right to do, right? And and create these stories. So that's what I feel like Dungeons & Dragons is because like I can just say to the DM... And, and, you know, nobody will ever and, uh, that's probably not true until artificial intelligence gets so crazy good. Right. That it's like on some meta server somewhere. We'll never get to that point mm-hmm. in video games, but they box us in way too much. They're like, oh, we got to protect you. We can't let you not do enough DPS. We can't let you not be <laughs> valuable in every group you might encounter. Like, dude, go away. Let me gotta, make my decisions. I'll be and be my me. life. I have a quick follow-up question for you, Nathan, because you yeah. and I have both played the Baldur's Gate 3 Early Access. Yeah. And I, there's a part of me that says, obviously, they're still limited because of the fact... But the thing I'm getting at is, though, is the fact that you can, like, take a shoe from your inventory and chuck it at a mob right. and do damage. Yeah. Or, you, or like, there's, there's literally 15, 20 ways around each encounter depending on what you and your friends want to do. And they do have the multiplayer component in that game. Obviously, yeah. obviously it's not massively. Right. But, but I it's kind four of look, people. I look at that and I kind of think, well, that's it's going in the right direction. Right. For, for what you're explain what you're describing there. Yeah. I and thought the that was pretty they're, fun. They're giving it. Yeah. They're giving a ton of options for people to do things in lots of different ways, but you're still, you're not wrong that. Yeah. That, um, that the caveat is the artificial intelligence because otherwise we're, we're bound by manpower sure. and budget. And, and I want to say mm-hmm. something else about Baldur's Gate 3. And, uh, uh, I don't know if everybody realizes this. There are things you can do in that game because I, I don't know the technology, right? I have no idea how they pulled this off. But the developers couldn't believe it when a player uh, took poison, threw it in a pot right. of goblins and the goblins were eating and drinking and they all died. And they're like, we didn't program that. Oh, right. What? Like that's cool. Just the game knows that's poison and knows they're eating that. Therefore what? they, they are going to die. And they were, they were just, there's been a few, but that's one oh, that stuck out in my brain where it's like, that's cool, dude. Like they didn't design it. Like they didn't program it to say, Hey, here's another way the player could do it. They could throw poison. Like they didn't even think of that. The players thought it, some player mm. thought of that. And it worked because each component has things that communicate with everything else going on in the world. Therefore, you have more freedom to do some crazy things like that. And, and that is cool. It is cool. And mm. it's also infinitely more possible in a single player game sure. or a game where you've only got a maximum of four people, right. four players. Because the moment you start talking about opening up to 
massively. This is when we get into the computing power yeah. issue and the fact that servers can only run so many computations per second. And it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much you scale with cloud servers these days or not. There's always going to be a cap of of how far yeah. we can go with that because of the limitations of artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Which is why MMORPGs have to be a little dumber. Um, Joey and I just talked about this the other day because um, we were doing a live stream of our of the point and click game, right? And we were showing behind the scenes because, like, since we're doing point and click, we have a fixed camera, and so it's not a 3D environment. So you're on the rails, so to speak. And so we went around the backside of the buildings, and we showed that we're not we're not doing anything with backside. It's no different than a movie set. We're only doing the facade because you don't need to do what's behind there. And that's essentially what an MMORPG is doing for a lot of these things. Mm. They're only giving you what you absolutely need to have for that experience because everything else is too difficult to program. And so it's that it's that behind the scenes stuff that you're never going to see and don't need to see. Because um, I would love to I would love to play what you're describing, but it's just it's tricky. Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, I like think about like that that element to Baldur's Gate was I think I only played through once or twice in the probably right when it was opened up. But I remember like there was an integration with like Twitch chat too, to where people could make decisions. So there was a lot of that was going on there that I thought was super cool. It's you the know? innovation, right? Yes, like this yeah. is the CRPG. This is where things change, right? Like there'll always be people who want to go back and play games like the old right. school one. Um, and and I think that that will go on for many, many, yeah. many years. But this is where when Baldur's Gate 3 launches, mm-hmm. that's gonna be like boom. Yeah. Can you do this? Right? Like, mm-hmm. can you can can you make something like this? This is mm-hmm. that's that Gollum moment that what a digital yeah. had where it was like, oh, we've gotten this far with this technology, look what we just did. And then everyone else went, Oh shit. Right. Uh, now we got it. Now we're into, into animatronics territory. Cause I'll be honest, like as cool as Gollum was, I don't know if you guys, if, you, if either of you have watched the plant, the new planet of the apes trilogy where oh, Andy yeah. circus did yeah. all like, and, and yeah. he, he trained, he trained all of the actors how to use motion and how to do the motion capture with the stilts and everything and to be down on all fours. That's that moment. So when BG3 comes out, I, I have no doubt that's the next step. Of yeah, because I'm not going to lie. And good God, I'm already – I'm almost about to reach 200 hours in that game. And it's, <laughs> it's the first chapter only, right? Like, <laughs> But I can't help it because when I, when I, when I load up uh, BG3, I feel like I'm loading into a campaign yes. of Dungeons & Dragons. Oh, my oh God. yeah, dude. You know? And it's I, like – it makes me just so feel so good, dude. It's <laughs> a step closer to what you want for yourself, right? <laughs> yes. I, yeah. I know you haven't answered the question that you had asked yet, Tim. But oh, I I'll get there. Ask, it's cool. Yeah. I do have to ask this question. So you're four sessions in now. Yeah. To having to having played Dungeons and Dragons for the first time. Oh yeah, yeah. How are you feeling about that? Like, or do you have any takeaways that apply to this conversation? Um, I just was a random thought. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, so there were two, three sessions I've had in my life trying D&D. I don't count those because I didn't actually sit down and do what we've done, which is like, you know, a little bit. I I don't I wouldn't say we've extensively done character development for ourselves initially, but 
we've gone through the process of really like the rationale for the choices and skills and and the background and like we've gotten in there and really paid attention to like the procedures and stuff i will say as a result of that um the dice rolls feel a little more meaningful than they did before when i had done it because i understood the the uh, you know, the rationale for the dice and how it functions, generally speaking, but the intricacies now of like how the D20, for example, really plays a part in the different mechanics of D&D and how that all goes out. Like, so now I have a deeper appreciation than I had. Like, I appreciated it before. But now looking back retrospectively, I have, I think, a much deeper appreciation for uh, their choices to integrate things like that into Baldur's Gate 3. Um, and I feel like, um, and I feel like even when I go back and I like, again, look like, remember picking a character, um, some of the, the flavor to the character, uh, creator, I definitely see some more of that, the intricacies there that definitely align as well. And, and I think even those instances now of, uh, like you said, throwing a shoe, for example, those elements that exist in Baldur's Gate. Now, having done D&D and understanding how, well, I do have a certain skill here. I want to try to like maybe scan. I think Bounty Code, for example, or like Sparrow or us, we like now are like, hey, I have a skill here for like perception or something. And maybe I'm going to like, I want to scan the room and I've got to roll the dice to see whether, you know, it lands or not, because you know, this is actually one thing and this I'm going to sidebar off of this and talk about Saga a little bit. One thing I appreciated about what you all were approaching in that game was the dice or mechanic behind whether a potion fully oh, yeah. like what, what 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 kind of heal would you get out of it? Yeah. And that, that, that was, cool. was honestly not only with that, it was also everything was dice rolls, which mm-hmm. we had a little bit of pushback from some people because I said yeah, Dungeons I was, and yeah. Dragons doesn't have a taunt button. There is no taunt ability in D and D. And so there were no, when, when the way, um, because we had to have taunts because it was a traditional MMORPG to some degree, but I made the taunts a roll. So first you had to roll to see if you even managed mm-hmm. to taunt the mob in the first place. Sure. Then it was another roll to amount. see how well you taunted as yeah. opposed to yep. say world of Warcraft Remember or that. other MMORPGs where it's an, you hit it and it's an instant pull on you. Um, but the, that and the potions took people for a spin because they're like, well, why isn't taunt working? It's like, it is. I remember that. Because I was, I was a tanky guy and I remember I was like, oh shit, that didn't land. Yeah. (laughs) I love the hit point, the, the hit potions that you just brought up because that's part of the D. Also the heal spells. It's not a guaranteed heal. And that's what we were doing in Saga as well was, uh, your heal spell was always a dice roll. So whether you're trying to drink a potion or yes. trying to heal, it's going to depend. And that's part of the fun right. for me anyway of Dungeons and Dragons is that your group has to react to the mm-hmm. um, dips and valleys, so to speak, um, mm-hmm. peaks and valleys, I should say, of every scenario and role play around that because it could be good. It could be bad. I always love the fact that in D&D, no matter how badass you get, no matter how powerful you are, a one is always a critical fail. Always. Mm, yeah. It doesn't matter how it doesn't matter if you're a god. If you roll the one, you fail. And that's something that I think always brings a level of humanity to um 
Dungeons Dragons. I will say this. I'm looking yeah. forward to, as we get deeper, now that we've kind of gotten the the mechanics under our belt, I'm really looking forward to seeing how the group starts to come together in terms of role play. Yeah. Because we, we, saw, we saw a glimpse of that yeah. in the origin story campaign. Right food you know with the with the rping with the goblins mm-hmm. and instead of taking them out it was oh we're gonna rp this food right. you're starving to death. like and and seeing everybody get a chance to put that aspect because you mentioned you hadn't actually gotten to kind of dig into that component no. yet i think that'll come naturally it's also a little different when you're doing a campaign like this one because you're kind of on the rails to some degree because they're guiding you down a set path with the with the guidebook, as opposed to doing, say, a homebrew campaign where you have complete and total flexibility to go off the rails um, and just kind of do your own thing. Right. Um, and and the other thing, too. No, and actually a sidebar off of that as well. Like, so I definitely recognized that in Baldur's Gate as well. Like, depending on how you're interacting, it's sort of like reinforces this sort of uh narrative that you you as your group are in Baldur's Gate are sort of like creating similarly to how that dynamic also sort of exists for a party of adventurers who come together mm-hmm. similarly to how like we had so I think that's th- th- that flavor of D&D definitely exists and it's I think I'm more aware of it now as a result of having done some of what we've been doing Whereas before I didn't have that awareness because I didn't have that experience. And I, sure, yeah. and I know it's been yeah. done before and other, you know, it's fairly common, right? But the way that it's done in BG3, um, because like when you're playing D&D at a table, right? Yeah. If you're a, an asshat, right? <laughs> yeah. Then it's possible that players may leave and quit playing, right? Yeah. So there has to be a degree of like, you know, respect of the other players, right? And BG3, obviously you're playing by yourself. I mean, you could be playing multiplayer um, because it is, it is possible. But yeah. you're playing with companions, right? And your companions can leave you, right? And I know that's not new. I know it's not new. But the way they do it in Battlegrounds, or in, I don't know why I said Battlegrounds, in uh, Baldur's Gate 3 is that it depends on those interactions you have at the camp a lot of the times, right? It can also dice rolls, but mm-hmm. a lot of times it depends on who you talk to, who you choose to do this for and who you choose not to do that for and who you pick and who you side with, with this situation mm-hmm. or that one. And they can leave. They can just be like, you know what? Yeah. I'm out. I don't like this. I don't like the way this group is behaving and they're out. So um, I like that because that, that that is a key component of playing at a tabletop is there also has to be, some you know some some general getting along with the, the other people playing or they're not going to keep playing with you, you they're going to keep playing yeah man totally agree with that um yeah i was going to say too like we we still have the wheel of time and uh mm-hmm. the witcher so i guess uh, wheel of time man last episode of the seasons uh basically for me going to be tonight late tonight and uh i'll right? watch it tomorrow isn't it yeah. thursday yeah so basically late tonight or tomorrow um i'm digging it man uh i'm really curious how they're gonna decide to wrap this chapter of it up considering we're not gonna get episodes until probably what next year or something i'm assuming next year yeah right if they, if they do a annual time frame that's pretty cool definitely something that concerns me with the witcher is like when are we gonna get the next one for that um because that was like 2019 and then we didn't get the next one until 2021 so i was like a two-year well, gap pandemic COVID, yeah. right um I'm hoping we're back on a on a 
you know, consistent time frame for that game, uh, or sorry, game, but that show as well, because, well, I just enjoyed it so much. The sales uh, started going up for the for Witcher Three Wild Hunt again too. Did you guys see that? Did they? Been, yeah, like people like Ooh. the sales started spiking again. Like it's funny how that works. So I have a Isn't question for you, Sim, because you're sure. you've never read the books and watching episode uh, seven. Will, months, oh, will time, yeah, 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 will time wise. Uh, had you spoiled anything for yourself about knowing who was the Dragon Reborn? You mean, uh, hold on. You mean, did I? Yeah, I did. Okay. I couldn't do it help it, man. I was like, I mean, I, really, though, to be fair, I was pretty sure in like the first few episodes. And the reason was because, can I say this? It's not really spoilers. If, if, yeah, it, if anyways, been out for 30 years. spoiler alert, yeah. if you have watched the show, give me about 30 seconds, plug your ears and we'll be good. It seemed pretty clear because every character progressively up until the point, like I'd say, episode, I think up until episode five, four or five, it was around then when I checked to confirm because there was some ability or attune attunement that was sort of happening in the show that didn't happen for one character. And, and I kind of put it together and I was like, it's gotta be, it's gotta be Rand, right? Like it's gotta be this guy because he's the only one that's been shorted on this, except for one subtle hint via his father in the first episode. So then I went to look to confirm and I was like, all right, cool. It is. The payoff for me and the reason that I said it was the best episode of the season so far, yeah. um, and this is me as a book as a book lover, was I, I, I was sitting there extremely concerned why they didn't talk about like we have that scene in the first episode when the Trolloc breaks into their house and his yeah. dad pulls the sword out from under the bed. You see the hair on the blade and you're like, oh, shit. Like that was a huge moment for book readers mm -hmm. um, because we knew what was coming at that point because we knew the backstory of his character and the prophecies that went along with who his son was and where he was born. That was very important. Right. And then we got none of it. They end up at the village. His dad gets healed. And then we're off to the second episode. And I was like, wait, what? So when they had the reveal happen in episode seven, Chris actually made me pause the show and told me to take it down a notch because when it opened up with his mother <laughs> – like right yes battle scene i was like a kid on crack candy <laughs> like just like oh my god this this is that's his dad that's just look at the sword like and she was like can you just calm down and let me watch it and well, i was like i'm to... so sorry I'm, I'm nerding out big time and then we had the sequence we had a flashback when he's when he's taking his dad down the mountain mm -hmm. and his dad's having a fever dream and all of the everything that came together in episode seven was stuff that I kind of I was wanting to see in episode one, but they did it in a very Lord of the Rings movie way, and where they took things from like three or four different books and just sort of rearranged them, and it did make sense in the way they did it for the show, in a way of of you're finally getting the reveal of who of the five it is. And now all of these little things that have been happening throughout the first eight, seven episodes all make sense mm. in that reveal. So I, I felt like the showrunners have done a good job in orchestrating that arc. Um, I was actually anticipating that they weren't going to make the reveal until the eighth episode, um, but it happened at the seventh. And I was like, cool, uh, now I can relax. And because yeah. I, you know, and they're still doing some different stuff with the finale, but um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the show. Um Chris is absolutely loving it, but 
yeah, I was just curious uh, if you had, if you had spoiled that for yourself or not. Cause I confirmed it more than I spoiled it. Although I was kind of sure. like, whenever Your confirmation I was spot on, by the way, cause that was, I, it was driving me nuts. Oh, I actually, like, we talked about that before he even revealed them. Cause we talked about that last time before I even watched last episode. Yeah. And I said, I, I was like, I kind of, I don't know if I confirmed it, but I was like, uh, talking about how like maybe it wasn't maybe it was just in my head i don't know but i remember sitting there when we were talking about thinking i think it's this guy but i didn't want to say it because i didn't want to like for anybody watching but it was just like everything like everybody else except him was getting a lot of love and i was like this person's stuff getting revealed this person's stuff's getting revealed this person's ability this person's attunement he didn't get shit he's just walking along like yelling at freaking Moraine the whole time and, and complaining and, and stuff. And I'm just like, and then he's like having, and, and they focused on a little more too on his dream than they did the other ones. Mm-hmm. So it was like a focus on his dream. And then like him in the beginning, it starts, you know, opens up with him, like walking, you know, one-on-one with this person. So he's getting like a little extra narrative love, but like not really love in terms of like what his abilities are. And I'm just like, they saving the best for the last then. That was just what I was thinking. Plus the like thing with the, like the dad and his thing. And I was like, ah, it seems like he's gotta be it. Like he's gotta be the one. Right. And then it was interesting to see how they talked uh, about like in the last episode about Matt's like, uh, like what was it? Moraine said something about like how um, some have like, maybe like they're, they have like a natural tendency to like gravitate the towards side. the dark side. So that's kind of Matt's thing. And I'm like, Oh shit, that could get interesting. Where, where that goes especially since there's like this whole talk that he has with rand before rand's revealed about how like let's promise each other if you know whatever goes down that we'll like you know handle it and i was like is he gonna have to take him out later i don't know i have no idea about that i just kind of can't help but wonder about it because i feel like one day rand's gonna my theory is like maybe rand's gonna have to take matt out because he's gonna go get too far gone and then maybe one day later, Rand's also going to succumb to it because it seems like you, you, it seems to me if you're a male because it got tainted in the past that you're destined if you are born with magic attunement, like yes. you're destined to go crazy. There has it, it's it that literally is the, the the core element of the book is that if if you can wield the one power and you are male, yeah, you will eventually go insane because of the taint on the on the on Satan by the dark mm, one, right? So it, yeah. So it t- seems to me this is like a bit of a sad story for Rand because if he is the Dragon Reborn, I haven't heard anything about the Dragon Reborn getting a pass yet. Then it seems like if he's a Dragon Reborn, he's destined for to go crazy, to, to yeah. go crazy get get uh, gentled or killed or something. So I don't know what happens exactly. I'm just throwing random ideas out there. I have no idea what happens with the story. Cool. Still. Well, I, I'm 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 glad you're enjoying it. Um, yeah. There's a whole bunch that I could. I'm not going to say anything else because I could spoil a whole bunch for you. <laughs> He's like, point. this is more than 30 seconds. Sorry about that. I shouldn't have said that at all. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like now I feel like and now I kind of feel like somebody who's making guesses and only certain people who know the books you're going to know whether I'm right or wrong on this shit. So anyway, whatever. You're right. Um, Chris has a lot of predictions as well. So, uh, <sighs> Witcher. Think, yeah, we, Witcher, we have to talk Witcher now. Ooh, I watched them all, and boy, oh, we we set Ooh. ourselves a pace. We did two episodes a day. Um, wrapped them up last night. 
And for my money, second season, I think second season was way better than the first. I love the yeah. fact that they didn't do a lot of jumping around in time this this season, and we had a right. very straight and linear storyline. I also love the fact, and I don't think I'm spoiling anything by saying this because the games have been out, and that's what the third game is all yeah, about. True. It's it is all coming down to it's the exact. I wouldn't say it's the exact same, but it's the same storyline from The Witcher Three, which is the ancient blood that Siri has in her. This isn't spoiling anything, I don't think, by this point. No. Because the games are out, the books are out, everything else. Um, her 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 bloodline being what it is, and then the the wild hunt coming after her because of that. Because um, and this is the I didn't know this because I've never read the book. So when I the, after the second time I played the game through, I wanted to know more about the Wild Hunt. So I went on and started researching the Wild Hunt, and I found out that, oh, shit, yeah. these are like ancient elves yeah. who at one point in time ruled the world until the humans came. And, yeah. you know, and so they want to go back to that time. And so they're all about like genocide. They are literally yeah. about like, killing off all humans and taking back control yeah. of the universes. Yeah. So they've got this planet where they reside, where they, it's only elves and only them. And they yep. ride around going through the dimensions, trying to find ways to take out humanity. And then they find out that, that Siri has this special thing in her bloodline that allows her to be this like weapon. Yeah. And so I, I, when I found that out after I'd played the game for the second time, I was like, well, that's cool. Mm. And then when I saw the way season two played out, I went, oh, shit. Like <laughs> yeah. season three is moving into the same territory as the Witcher three game. Like, yes. That's where we're headed. Hell um, which yeah. Which is smart. Which is smart because the Wild Hunt um, storyline is fun. It's really, it, it, you know, it, it harkens back. And I hate to do this, but it does harken you back to Lord of the Rings, right? Um, the Wraiths. Uh, it kind of yeah. it's oh, kind of yeah. got that same yeah. kind of feel. So, bit, and, yeah. and there's something terrifying about that too, right? Like they're Dude. you know creepy, immortal, Fuck. like bad, nasty elves, like not nice wood elves and fairy elves, but like elves who want to kill you and look like skeletons because they've been along around forever. Yeah, and they live on essence. It's like I'm thinking about yeah, essence. Yeah. <laughs> But so I was really happy, man. They're like, hey, yo, y'all won. We're the safety measure that's going to wipe your ass out as a result. You're like, oh, shit. Um, I think I know they were doing a lot of fan. Like there was a lot of characters that showed up in this season, like Dijkstra and and et cetera. And all the different we got the different kings and kingdoms. And now um, also. um, I loved Jennifer's arc in this season. Like it was really cool. Yeah. See that played out. Um, I don't know. I just and and you gotta love Yaskier. Like <laughs> him and Geralt have a great yeah. bond and connection, and like the humor that. And then I've been seeing the thirst traps on TikTok the last few days because Jaskier took his shirt off this season, and and all the like all, the thirst traps on TikTok are going <laughs> crazy. The last few days, like like Jaskier's been hiding this all through season one and season two, and he like takes takes off his shirt to go wash himself, and he's like this ripped dude, mm-hmm. and it's like everybody's like, "Oh my god, Jaskier!" And then I found out that the guy who plays him is actually a real life singer songwriter yeah. and has a band. They just released a new album. It's a lead singer, it's a girl, but he's like a the 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 secondary singer, and I didn't know that, and so he's been. He did. He's been doing singing songwriting for a long Man. time because his family does it. And then he got into acting like about ten years ago, and has built up to now being, you know, this character in The Witcher. So I, I went mm-hmm. on a YouTube 
like hunt two days ago and watched like 10 or 15 of their music videos and was like this is really cool like the yeah. guy can really sing um how about that song in the episode what was it four or whatever burn the burn, burn, burn yeah burn burn butcher burn nathan it's good it's like man if they keep doing this each season <laughs> where they've got like this specific you know apparently song, they are then it apparently seems like it thing now it's if so it wasn't, it is now, you know. Yeah, right. they they've pulled it off. Like they've managed to blend now, yeah. like a new a new way of doing a fantasy show where they've got existing lore, but they're also throwing some fan service from the games. But then they're they've created this original yeah. thing where they had this song that it worked so well for them in the first season. They said, well, let's do it again in the second season. Excuse me, and let's let's have this this car this character who can actually sing let's have him and his songs be a central part of the show it's working very good oh, and i also God. think um series arc in this Ooh. season we see her go from yes. being this pampered little princess to like oh no i i love <laughs> when when um uh, Lambert and the uh, the bald guy take her out and they're like, yes. they, they're fucking with her, right? So they right. put her up on the thing. And then by the end of it, there's like all the witchers are there. And then badass. she gets to the end and she falls and Daryl's like, so close. So close. <laughs> like, oh my God. That was, I literally had to rewind it and watch that part three times because the sarcasm was perfect. It's yeah. Like, so so subtle, too. Mm-hmm. Just like, so all like matter of factly, just sarcastic. He's like, so close. You, all that could have been all if you had just you know just that little extra dude it was good though because like i played the the games i i still need to get through all of one and two but oh man the nostalgia hit as a gamer yeah. when they went to care more and you see all these like panning shots of it i'm like oh man as somebody who was in that courtyard right like you've got to go in, i think it's in the witcher one you've got to go out there and beat up on these dummies and like tris is there so having tris go back and all that i'm like oh man it's like the cruise together man in the same place where it went down back in the day and you're like it's just yeah and then care more man just it was so care more was brilliantly done yes um, and then the scene when he fights that big ass demon dragon monster at the end i was on the couch like the it, when he takes it out i'm not gonna say how he takes it out because that would yeah, you know, we're already spoiling me. some stuff yeah, but i'll sorry. leave that up to you if you watch it i'm not gonna say anything i can't i can't do that i can't i can't say anything i'm okay talking about it generally up until the end but the last that last episode i'm not saying a thing amazing. about it I'm not saying shit. It was the best episode out of the whole two seasons so far. Such a damn good note to end on tying things together. Yeah. Series journey in season two is just so good. So is Yennefer's though. I felt like it was a lot more about like really kind of explaining like their characters a little more. Like you got a yep. good bit of like Siri and, and it was scattered in the first one too, because of course the first book is essentially a bunch of short stories kind of put together so they've got to like make that work yeah. in, a, in a way, which I think they did pretty good considering because even if you read the book, like I've read, it still is like it still is you're bouncing around between different stories that split up over the course of the book. And now I'm realizing that as this season has ended, I am now behind on my reading. 
This has been a struggle for my brother and I as well. We've been talking about it recently. Yeah. Because gaming has become such a big part of our lives and game development. Yeah. There's not a lot of time left over to read. And we both grew up reading a lot. So it's been a tragedy. Now, I, I still have, I do binge sessions. Like the other night I couldn't sleep. And I powered through chapters 7 through 21 of The Last Command and the third Thrawn book. But I, I it's hard for me. It's hard to read. If I'm lucky, I'll do one book a month. It's really hard for me to do more than one right. month. And that's just because I let too many other things distract me um like shows like the witcher because unfortunately it's really damn good tv and so it's it's this is where i go back to we didn't have netflix and hulu and amazon 20 years ago so Mm. it was a lot easier to read books because there's a lot less uh, distractions or, or plus let's be honest tv was garbage back then too yeah let's, let's yeah. be honest we didn't I mean, have there was cool... a handful of shows like X-Files they were okay yeah oh, that's true we had a few yeah that's true but most of it was kind of crap it was mostly garbage but man and i do like the fact with the end we when we got to the end of the season we very much are in a a a, a, a known place with the main characters being yeah. that we have Yennefer, who has basically taken over the role as sort of being like the caretaker, mother, and trainer of Ciri, and yeah. and Geralt being like the father figure slash physical trainer. So he's teaching her sword play and everything else, and then Jen is teaching her magic the side. Triad, of things. man. Yeah. So it's the which, triad. Yeah. Because I love that part of it in The Witcher Three game, Absolutely. where when you go play as Siri, not yeah. only is she a badass swordsman, she, she has different abilities, Oof. and the fact that she can teleport through you saw, yeah, dimensions <laughs> and stuff, it like adds a whole nother level. Like she's telling, there's that scene in The Witcher Three when she's explaining to Geralt, she came to our world and she's talking about airplanes and all this other stuff. Like she can go between the spheres, and it's just. It's such a cool character um, because Geralt is literally like he has no reaction. He has no way to comprehend. And in the game, they did it very well because he's literally like, well, you know, that sounds amazing. I can't even begin to, like, understand what that's like or the sights that you've seen because he's very much bound to their sphere and the continent and the monsters and everything else. So Um, and then the trailer. Did you did you catch the trailer at the end? for oh for the for the blood origins oh yeah and i saw that and i was like oh so i don't know anything about that other than i went and looked it up but apparently this is like before the conjunction of the sphere so it's before monsters before witchers it's when the elves were the dominant species and i'm like well that sounds cool i mean are they i've never read the book so let me ask because you might you might know the answer i don't know this one material Mm -mm. or are they just maybe going from references see the here's the thing that's crazy too because the author of the witcher books is even confirmed he's writing another one and they cd project red is also confirmed a witcher 4 game and we know that he's got a bunch of written material that goes back to that too so i've got the set of books i started with sort of destiny um wait no i'm sorry the font the last wish then I'm on the Sword of Destiny, and the next one's Blood of Elves, which is where I think they're at currently. Okay. Storyline, if I'm not mistaken. So I don't know a whole lot about the beginning period, and I don't know if it's outlined in a book. So I'm yeah. not sure. I know he has more written material that has not been put in book form. I know that too. Um, and that he's working on another book, but he's just so when you see that guy talking interviews, he's just like, 
So he's like a different character. He he yeah. speaks in analogies and metaphors like crazy too, and I'm just like, ah, oh, dude. You see him and like you're just like when he talks, when he answers questions sometimes about the Witcher. You're just like, what a fucking non-answer, man! It gets fucking hilarious too how he talks to people. Well, I'm really looking forward to uh, season three. Um, yeah, same. This is honestly, it, it's much as good TV comes out. I feel like The Witcher is up there with like yeah. Mandalorian. You know, there's there's some shows that have come out in the last few years that have just been like it's mm-hmm. fan service, but also just really damn good TV. Yeah, like just good entertainment. Um, totally. You know, they've got good special effects, great writers, um, good actors, mm-hmm. great cinematography, good VFX. Um, yeah, it doesn't feel like TV anymore. No, you know what I mean? Like it feels like movie quality. Multi-part you know? adventure. Yeah. yeah. So I really like that because I, I I can't stand that cheesy TV stuff anymore. You know. Well, the budgets are getting pretty big. I mean, they were talking yeah. about, um, I think they said, um, it's one of the Marvel shows, the Scarlet Witch one, and I'm blanking on what was that one was called. Uh, um, WandaVision, the, right? Yeah, WandaVision was yeah. $25 million an episode. What? So we're, we're wow. talking, you know, they Jeez. did, what, eight episodes Shit. or six episodes, I forget. Um, so we're talking, you know, they're spending, a, between marketing and everything else, they're spending a quarter million dollars for these eight episode runs now with like Disney plus and, and so on and so forth. I don't think the Witcher's quite up in that territory, yeah. but I do know that, that Cavill went from $300,000 an episode in season one to a million dollars an episode oh. in season two for his salary. Um, so I'm, I'm assuming everybody's budgets, yeah. everybody's, everybody's money went up with season two. And that's traditionally what will happen is they'll hit a cap by like season three or four. And then they'll just, be at that cap for a while but for a long time the standard was like nine ten million dollars an episode for tv but now we're seeing disney plus just push that up to like 25 you know in the 25 million dollar bracket now so you're right nathan like this is movie quality stuff now because they're they're putting the same amount of money into it as they would for a you know an actual feature film yeah Uh, we're just getting more runtime which is also interestingly enough why i think we're seeing so many of the you know grade a actors agreeing to come do tv shows now because a they're doing short runs that are compacted into a single storyline arc but they're also getting paid what they would get paid to go to yeah. a feature film because he cavill only made three hundred thousand dollars for his first star uh, superman film too and I, I always look back and look at um chris hemsworth got paid mm-hmm. because that's the standard he got paid three hundred thousand dollars for the first thor and then it went up to like 10 million for the second Thor. And then by the third one, he was up into the $20 million territory. Um, and so for these guys to be getting paid $10 million to do a season, um, that's respectable amount of money. And it puts them into the same, same amount they would be making on a feature film for the most part, unless they were doing a big triple a, um, production where they, you know, like a Marvel movie where you're getting paid 20 million. And Um, I feel like this is the future too, because sure. We can do, we can, they can tell more yep. of this story in a season than, yeah. you know, you would get from a part one of a movie, right? They have been yeah. snatching up left and right, like Netflix, Amazon, Hulu. Every yep. time I, so I follow tour books on social media. They're announcing every day. It's like a new acquisition for this brand new writer who just wrote a new trilogy that just came out. And she's like 25 years old and really? her, it's, it's sold enough copies that. Well, and then I've, I follow a few scouts on social media who talk about like their jobs are literally to read all of the new things that come out 
from these publishers and they send it off to the producers and that's their job is to scout for these new IPs that can be converted into television shows. And there's all these young adult books that are coming out that are either standalone or, or trilogies um, and they're just snatching them up left and right because now we've got, going back to the conversation from earlier, we've got all of, we got a glut of streaming services now mm-hmm. and they're all looking for the next big IP. And yeah. even if they just put together a, a um, um, Dean Devlin is a, is a producer I always look at. So he, he, he created way back in the day, he worked on Stargate, but he also, he did the, the librarian franchise, the leverage franchise. I don't know if you guys have watched these before, um, but he's done some like mediocre franchises that have done fairly well on like normal television and network stuff. Um, but he's done some stuff that's like not so great and only gets one or two seasons but he still does them because he's still making money off of those. And that's like the Netflix model where they're willing to spend a lot of money buying up rights to a lot of different franchises because at the very least they can push out a single season of something that's still going to make them mm. 10 or $15 million. Um, and they repeat that a hundred times. You get some a bunch of low quality stuff, but then every once in a while you get The Witcher. So, at least Man. The Witcher. You know, I'm like really curious too about because i will i'll tell you right now when it comes to these these the witcher shows and will of time and stuff like that i i i I get into my creative zones and stuff and i'm doing my own things and like i'll just have stuff on the background that's like you know fantasy and for lord of the rings was and the hobbit have been it for a long time and then i have the witcher and then i have now i've got like the will of time so it feels good because it sounds crazy, man, but maybe not some people, but like there are certain things that like I enjoy having on the background or I tend to go through and play at certain times of the year. I like to watch the Harry Potter movies around the fall. This is kind of a good, good time. Lord of the Rings and now the Hobbit trilogies have been my go to for the winter time for ages. And now and then The Witcher, when it came out, I was like, I probably played through that like and and I'll like I say actively probably four or five times I've watched it through thoroughly. And then another four or five times just because I like to have it on the background, on background. and moments. Yeah. And there are moments I wait for and it's like, ah, you laugh and you it's like a good comedy. It's like a Dave Chappelle comedy. I can watch that and have that on the background and certain things pop off and I'm just laughing my ass off or whatever. Right. Sort of the same thing. And now I've got the will of time and the witcher season two. And then, you know, if, if Amazon can deliver, which, with the with the will of time, I'm feeling, and with the expanse, I'm feeling more confident about their this uh, Tolkien, yeah, stuff they're going to be producing, right? And uh, I'm very very curious, you know, what the final episode of the Wheel of Time is going to be like, because I I'm really curious. I, I I don't know how the story of of you know, the Dragon Reborn was actually told in the books or whatever. But I was a little, I guess I expected it to be something different. Or I, I just kind of had envisioned it's a lot it being different in the books. It's it, a lot it, different. It, that part didn't seem to, it felt like a bit of a fizzled realization for me to be wondering that whole time and for it to kind of be shared that way. I, this is where I come back to. I try not to be a book purist. Uh, I feel that the show has definitely fallen yeah. flat in a few places, but yeah. I'm also trying to appreciate it for what it is because it's going to be the only one we get probably in my lifetime. Um, so I'm trying to just roll with that. 
Right. Um, but there's also been some things that have affected this. I'm not spoiling anything by saying mm. this, but the reason we don't see Matt's character in episodes seven and eight of season one is because the actor quit. He had to during got it. the COVID breaks. And that's not supposed to be what happens with this character. And so mm. I have grave concerns oh. now for how they're going to reintroduce that character into season two, because they're going to have to go completely off book now. Wow. Um, that's why he didn't go through. So he actually does in the book. He quit. He, yes, he does in the book. Oh, shit. Um, I thought he made it through the whole season before that happened. No. So he quit during oh. the first big COVID break. And so when they came back, they had shot episodes <laughs> one through six. Um, <laughs> Sparrow's in chat like I listened to you fellas in the background and Nathan's like she can't hear read that Sam you're in the background because I talked <laughs> so, I don't I don't think I'm spoiling anything when I say okay. that because that's a well-known fact that they yeah, recast yeah. that yep. for season two and the reason was because during the big break they had to take like a six-month break after they had filmed the first six episodes and when they came back from that he was like you know what I, my life has moved on yeah. I can't I can't you know commit to this happens, so man, unfortunately yeah. they had to work around that and Damn. so i was very upset at the end of season at the end of episode six because he didn't go in and i'm like what the oh, hell because Damn. so much that's supposed to happen at the eye of the world for his character like are they gonna really? retcon oh, like are they shit. gonna retcon his character like but it's because the actor quit and this is the reality oh damn of of these productions in covid times right yeah like and i'm looking at that going man i really hope that doesn't happen to like the lord of the rings show Ooh. or because could you imagine going through like two or three or the witcher as an example let's let's say we get three up three seasons in and they change series actress because she decides right. that, you know i had to take a 10 month covid break and i can't come back because i got you know my mom died or i mean those are the realities facing Yes. filming right now with mm. COVID and it terrifies me to get attached to characters in a show. Um, and also to go, you know, you said about the fizzling thing. Some of that is just because of it's an adaptation and they have to deal with compressing true. timelines. Yeah. There have also been the aspects of the COVID thing affecting their production, mm, true. which have affected oh. the storyline that's being told, which makes me go shit. Like, there's there's stuff that's supposed to happen yeah. with at the end Damn. of the eye of the world that now it's not going to happen and i'm like what are they going to how are they going to bring him back in season two like i don't know yeah that 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 sucks exactly. and that's that's actually a good point of the negative side of doing series Shows. which are longer yeah you get more out of, them, out of it but you run into the danger of stuff like that happen could you imagine if uh the third of the trilogy of Lord of the Rings, they would have had to recast Gandalf. I mean, can yeah. you even imagine the devastation? You know, so like Chris, Chris had a very good question about this, um, Nathan, because she's like, don't these actors have contracts and like binding legal clauses? And I'm like, they do. But at the same time, people can just walk away or yeah. I mean, look at the, the current uh, there's a new. Uh, it's a Wizarding World Harry Potter series of movies. That's not Harry Potter. We've yeah. watched the first one. I can't remember what it's oh, called. Oh, the now. Uh, yeah, the um, Fantastic Monsters. Beasts and Where to Find Fantastic Them or something Beasts like that. Was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So you know, we had we had Johnny Depp in the first movie being set up as this character, who then played the entire character throughout the second movie, yes. and then he has this this um, mm -hmm. issue in real life, this lawsuit that came about, and the result of that lawsuit being 
Stum Studios now see him as tainted goods and he can no longer be. So they fired him and they brought in Mads Mikkelsen to play that same character for the third movie. Now, I love Mads Mikkelsen. By the way, his brother plays um, uh, the old wizard in The Witcher 2. His name I can't remember off the top of my head. Uh, starts with an S. Um, ah! The Witcher like 2 game? No, no, the, the second season of The Witcher. Oh, second Sorry. season. Um, okay, I was no. like, what? <laughs> the, the old wizard guy, I forget his name now, but the old cranky wizard who hates elves. Um, that's Mads Mikkelsen's older brother. Um, if Wait, you didn't know that. The one that takes that plays uh oh my god uh yeah he's in the first season too right or are you taking yeah, in the first season he's the old wizard Dragonborn or whatever his name Dragonborn. is that's, that that's guy, guy that's his Dragonborn. brother what that's Mads Mikkelsen's older oh, brother oh that's crazy yeah anyway um so Mads Mikkelsen is now in the role that Johnny Depp played for the first two films what? now that's is it is it doable yes but it's stuck. When you've gotten attached to an actor. Right, a face of the character in right. the but movie. Right, but Nathan, whatever. you had a good point there. It's also why a lot of the why a lot of movie actors have hesitated to do series in the past because it's a six-month commitment, and they're used to being able to work on three-month productions, and which is why it was also such a big deal when, when they were looking for people to cast for the Lord of the Rings movies and why it was so amazing that actually they pulled it off because they asked people to go on a... It was like it was like a hundred and eighty day shoot, like or excuse me, longer than that. Uh, it was like a full, I forget how long it was. It was like more than a year, I think. Like it was a full on. You're gonna go to New Zealand and live there for like yeah. eight months because of the main shoot and the reshoots. And a lot of people looked at that and said, "No, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> no, I'm that. not." Like, and they also didn't get paid a ton of money for those. I think Frodo and all the main cast got about three hundred thousand dollars for the entire time they were there plus per diem and everything else. But then they all became, you know, very big stars after that. So sometimes you take a risk on those things, but yeah, the season commitments, um, like look at a show like walking dead. That's been on for sure. When did, when did the main character walk away? Season seven, eight, somewhere around there. Back. Yeah. yeah. When he, when he stepped away, I was like, yeah, I definitely don't feel like I'm following this anymore. Yeah. That was the end for me. I mean, you're an actor, you like to play different roles, but Hey, I'm getting paid a lot of money to play this one character. And so I'll, I'll do that, but there is going to come a point in time for anybody. I think where you're like, Hey, you know what? The money doesn't matter anymore. I'm set for life. I'm ready to just, I'm, I want to go work on something new. I want to do something yeah. different. Yeah. And he just wanted back time with his family. And, uh, I tell you what too is interesting about the walking dead. In my opinion, I feel like that shows what started all this. Right. I, and I know it was on, you, it, you know, it's on <laughs> cable TV, right. But it's on AMC, but, it started this like it was based on a comic and they were like, let's do a high quality movie, uh, you know, uh, worthy uh, episodes. Um, and I feel like it started this whole trend. I really do. Really? Um, I, I, yeah, because if you think about it, that's it was it was a pretty popular comic. Right. But it, ha- it was not mainstream. Right. And, you know, right. uh, now now it is because of the show. But, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like that really that kicked it off into like, let's spend money and take books and comics and all this. And, and, and instead of releasing as a movie, let's do series. Cause we can tell the whole story in a more uh, meaningful way. And to get to know the characters, et cetera, et cetera. Walking dead has probably, I, I don't know this for a fact, but I feel it's pretty safe to say has had the worst of the 
characters leaving, right? Um, yeah. They've had to kill so many characters off way before their time in the comic because they, you know, wanted to move on to other endeavors. Uh, you had uh, people who got signed on to Marvel, and, uh, you know, so they had to, you know, forget about The Walking Dead. We had so much happen uh, through the course of that show. It's It's pretty wild. And also... That's another show that I thought was interesting because of what Game of Thrones had to do because of, you know, getting ahead of the books. Um, Walking Dead always tried not to get to that point. So they had to have these wild filler, almost filler seasons because they're like, if we keep it up at this rate, you know, we won't have no material, you know. Um, So I think think a lot of studios have looked back at The Walking Dead, what they've done to help decide what to do for their series and i I think it jump-started this whole this whole thing and i'm really appreciating chris and i both are on the same page on this i appreciate shorter seasons now like i think 13 is about like 12 to 13 is about the longest i can like if you can't tell an arc in 13 episodes you need to shit or get off the pot like it's it's you know i'm i'm over the 22 episode crap from 20 years ago uh, i had yeah and the well they AD- used to be 30 minutes too yeah shorter episodes. Were like that 20 minutes so i think they kind of had to at that time That's yeah true. yeah but I, I do like the you know eight sometimes feels a little too short um there's been some shows that come out and do six episodes and i'm like that's not enough you need to give me at least two more but you know when you look at marvel and they're spending 25 million an episode you understand why they're only doing stick mm-hmm. because you know they only have so much money to go around yeah so but i do like the eight episode eight to 12 um get a good story arc out of it yeah i think the eight eight to ten somewhere in there like eight to ten seems always pretty solid especially when we've been getting like you know somewhere in the area of like 45 to roughly an hour and five minutes you know 45 minutes to like an hour and five or something like that usually it seems pretty solid um i will say that i wish wheel of time would have given us like 12 or 13 because that would have allowed them a lot more time to tell yeah. a story than it episodes damn now i'm actually this is gonna be tough i mean luckily the last episode is, for this season's coming up and now i'm you've, like really want to know what the hell's supposed to be happening because you've got a year to the next season you just need to go read the books you've got oh, a year dude i'm reading the witcher books too and it's just finish the witcher books I'm, and then go I'm, the wheel of time. I'm working on writing my first one next year too <laughs> Luck. Uh, i don't know what <laughs> Oh, so I'm already, I'm in the same boat. Like I'm trying oh, right now because fuck. obviously we're working on the Weave in the Void, and I started a sci-fi novel at the beginning of the year before we kicked off the Weave in the Void, and I got like forty thousand words into it. So I'm like sixty percent of the way done, and it's just sat there since March. And I'm like, I really just need to finish that thing off. And Damn. then it's like I've got community members who are like, Yeah, are you ever going to give us the second book in the Saga of Lucemia? And I'm like, I wrote the first uh... like. 50,000, 60,000 words of it. And then it's just sat there because I didn't want to work on it because of all the feelings. That yeah. Are yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's like, I have those projects that are there. And then I also have the weave and point stuff, but it's like, I just need to, I need to get the sci-fi novel done. So that's like, but trying to carve time out for that. Cause I'm like, I'm getting really close. Like my YouTube channel is finally moving pretty good. I just hit 600 followers and I'm like, I really want to get a thousand. I'm like, I just need to keep grinding at the YouTube to get there. Yeah. I don't want to get distracted. Consistency pays t- off. I sure. know. It's like, but I, I want to get distracted, but I also want to finish that other freaking book. So it's like, yeah. And, and one big advice I want to give about YouTube, right? And it's not because of the fans, it's not because of the people following you, it's because of YouTube's 
algorithm and the way yeah. that they go to business. Yes. I took a I took a pretty big break and only released like one video every couple paying of weeks. For while it, huh? I was doing, Hell yeah, I'm paying for it. The algorithm and that was, forgets yeah, your ass. I was, I was trying to do that, you know, choose your own adventure. It was taking up all my free time to do it. And I was like, this was a really once a big week project. minimum. Don't stop. You got to once keep, a week. Yeah. Just keep it rolling. So if you got to go on vacation or there's, you know, whatever, Schedule you know, something to release, go ahead and plan it out and set them to release. Learned it. You will, yep. you will pay for that. Oh yep. my gosh. I learned it with ashes. I even learned it with my channel that I just now got back with. You, you got to keep it going, man. The algorithm completely forgets you, man. Yeah, it won't like, ah, even tell your subscribers. Won't like, tell them. Cares about They've you got no to more. have that notification them. bell flipped on. So if you're watching this over on YouTube right now, this is a good time to remind you to if you you don't already follow to follow follows not enough. If you want to make sure you get the videos, you got to flip that bell notification. And on. listen, YouTube even will ignore the bell notification if you yes. turn it on. If you don't yep. consistently yes. watch yes. your favorite person so when i release a puppet yeah. video and you don't want to see it mm -hmm. at least click it so you can see when i release True. the video you do honestly <laughs> yeah it's tricky man you gotta it at least tricky, engage dude. with it or it's like you don't care about it anymore so i'm not gonna bother yeah and it works the other it's way like, for the creator too and, so and if you have too many flops in a row True. if you're like like if I, if I if i was like you know what i'm gonna do a whole month of puppet videos dude my channel will be devastated like, <laughs> like it, it would it would be devastating because yeah. youtube's like oh for the past 10 videos nobody really gave a crap about you bro i'm not really pushing you you junk anymore you know yeah this is why it's, it's, youtube's is, like mm -hmm. a and it's like a it's like having a it's like a human you gotta be like no no no, no i'm a good boy i'll do what you want what what exactly do you need me to do i think i just need to start twerking and then it'll people, all be <laughs> dude when people are like why you do so much sim it's like because if i don't i'll lose it all and have yeah. to start completely over again yeah it's also a good, brand a good new. note of why of why so many of the people who been doing it for five or six years get to the point where they talk about burnout and needing to take sure. a break yes um like you know the big streamers all get to that point after they've done it for seven eight nine years because it's like you're doing this day in day out you probably are doing it on top of a day job for the first four five six years you're doing it until the channel starts paying you enough to go full time um that can be yeah that's tricky yeah, I, I, even I'm like at a partial restart right now in some regards, which makes sense if you're in my community and stuff. But it's it's interesting because a partial restart's a whole lot different than a, a full, full restart, a yeah. full restart because you just go silent. Which I've had full restarts in the Twitch sphere, by the way, three times in the past nine years, and it was a complete start over. If you don't maintain the momentum, this last momentum has been a two and a half year period of momentum. To actually get to the point I'm at now, which is there's a lot of hard work and more hours than I could even count right now. Uh, yeah, so. I started taking it seriously when I started the year, like last December or last January, like a year ago. I had 87 followers on my YouTube channel, and I just hit 600 this morning. And I feel like that all started like in May or like March was when we started doing the the weave in the void stuff three times a week on YouTube, and then. March, April, May. So about three months in was when YouTube finally went, oh, hey. And then all the videos started going up and I started getting reliable. You know, I'm not growing rapidly at any means, but, no, you know, getting steady, 500 man. new people in a year for me feels. That is good. Good. Uh, yeah, that is good, actually. 
it's just about that momentum man. anyway this is a whole different conversation but it's just about the momentum when you keep you maintain the momentum it slowly will start to pick up yeah. this applies to writing and this is why i brought it up was yes writing and trying to find time to which yes and i'm gonna start writing my first one i'm giving myself the first quarter of 2022 to finish the world building i need for that so it's organized so i have my reference points and then i'm gonna give myself nine months to actually write it and i'm gonna i'm gonna give myself specific cutouts of time week to week where i sit down and i just jump in and i just go i tell you something that may help too sam sure so hardest part is carving out the time right but if you can carve out a day where this is gonna sound crazy right but just just trust me this helps sometimes with creative juices and and just flowing and and not caring because sometimes in my opinion you care too much and it's Mm. actually limiting what you can do right so i you won't come up with a final draft or no kind of crazy thing like this right but one day just grab a whatever if you drink beer uh, vodka whatever grab some a little bit of alcohol grab some spirits okay yeah sit down with a notepad or your laptop however you like to do it typewriter whatever if you're Stephen King and uh just get you some drinks and just start hammering it while you're drinking right so you get a little <laughs> bit of a buzz going and you lose that what happens is I'm serious yeah. inhibition yeah, you lose that kind of like, yeah. oh, I'm restricted here, or oh, what about that word, or have I said that word too many times? And you'll just freaking start hammering through some stuff. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Yeah, pr- you'll have to come back to it. Yes. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it was Hemingway. I'm 90% sure it was Hemingway who said, write drunk, edit sober. Because, yes. That's actually uh, smart. Edgar Allan Poe, too. That's where I got it from, actually. That's where I got the idea. And I do it all the time. Now, I'm not an alcoholic, but I, every once in a while, I'll feel myself restricting myself to where I'm like, wait, does that feel the lore? Wait a minute. I, did, I, did I mention that too soon? It's like, dude, I, you know what? I'm going to go grab a couple of drinks and just chill out because I just want to write some stuff. I want to get it. The, the easiest thing, the easiest advice that I can give you is nine months is more than enough time to write a good novel. Yeah, um, hopefully six. But yeah, I, I wouldn't. You know, Stephen King has a great book on writing, which is I think it's worth reading for everybody out there. Um, the biggest thing every every writer out there is going to try to tell you that it, it doesn't matter how you feel. You you need to just put a thousand words a day on paper. Doesn't matter how long that takes. Just at least get a thousand. If you can do more than that, great. But that's your minimum, because if you can do that day in, day out, just like you do with Twitch and YouTube yeah. and everything else. If you do that, then by the end of a three-month period, you've got a 90,000-word novel, which is a respectable length for a standalone book. Now, if you're writing an epic fantasy series and you're not worried about going with a traditional publisher and you're going to self-publish it, don't worry about length and just go until it's done. If you're giving yourself six months, then you'll have a 200,000-ish word novel. And if you give yourself nine months, then you'll definitely have time to potentially write a 300,000 word novel or have two 150,000 word tomes that make up the first two books in your series. Nine months is a very, that's a, in my mind, that works great. Um, I've worked on various projects. Some you have timelines for and some you don't. Um, And I'd say three months is the quickest I would want to work. And and I have to have like an outline to do it within three Mm. months. If I don't have an outline, there ain't no way I'm getting a hundred thousand word novel written in three months. 
you get a good outline and you've done all your world building for six months in advance, then you, that's when you can sit down and just crank it out. Otherwise, six months. I like the six-month mark. I think you can write a good book in six months. If you give yourself nine, then you should be able to get something something really good. For yeah. The first one's like its own little thing because it takes place like in the early kind of like imagine the second era and the third era stuff or whatever it's like a snapshot of something that happens in like the second era and then like thousands of years later there's like this great story that kind of goes on and i kind of feel like there's like multiple stories that can exist in the earlier periods that are also my opportunity to like you know kind of get my momentum and my groove don't limit yourself don't limit yourself to a word count just say yeah i'm just gonna do it i'm gonna go until it's done i'm planning but also give yourself a deadline and say if i haven't if you know nine months is my hard cutoff point because otherwise you turn into what we were talking about last time about the guy who wrote you know geez dude 2000 page manuscript that you know never wanted to publish it so yeah yeah i have to i gotta do it it's that uh there's this um i, I think this is a, gonna be a good reference point um i was actually you know talking to and this since this may be our final episode um i think i think you know what next week we are going to be off i'm just going to set it next week we're off we're off next week and enjoy i get two weeks off of my day gig for the next two weeks too and uh, this will this will be our last one for the year for this show and we'll be back uh looks like probably we'll make it the 6th of january six yeah for thursday uh the 6th of january will be our next show and i'm gonna leave this uh sort of like quote if you will let me go and find it here but um, I was actually talking to uh, some other people in this uh, other domain in which I I sort of uh, I do my day gig and I work and all that. And there was this client of mine who was talking about how he really liked uh, quotes and like, you know, what's his name? Uh, Denzel Washington, I guess he does like he's done some stuff. Um, with like a cool cat. Yeah, there's yeah. A, like I don't I don't go running around the internet watching a lot of stuff uh, in terms of like inspirational quotes. I know people do them, but it was interesting because I had a client and he was telling me about some of the things that uh, he he does to like keep himself motivated. And I don't do I don't look at motivational speakers or things like that. But this relates to kind of what we're talking about. And this is something I want to sort of present to anyone out there who's a creative person. As we're ending this year, one chapter's ending, another one's beginning. Uh, we're going to be going on to a new chapter, both in our lives, in the show, etc. And this is what I want to leave anybody who loves this podcast, who listens to it, watches it, uh, before we come back next year. And this is something that rings very true for me because my client had talked about it, and I was like, "Oh, that's pretty cool," you know, that they take inspiration for this thing. And ironically, or interestingly enough, I was on YouTube doing stuff, and one day this you know, sort of, I don't know how it made its way there, but it was actually the same person Denzel Washington was doing quotes and stuff. And I actually tuned in and watched, and he was like talking to a graduating class and he went through and he, he sort of paraphrased something that uh, another person, I think Les Brown had actually uh, said during something, it's during some sort of speech or motivational speaking he had been doing. And he paraphrased this in his, um, his like address to the graduating class. And I found this was perfect because it resonates for me as a human. And it's my parting words as we in the show, uh, the chapter for the show this year. And Les Brown said, 
Imagine, if you will, being on your deathbed and standing around your bed, the ghost of the ideas, the dreams, the abilities, the talents given to you by life, and that you, for whatever reason, never acted on those ideas. You never pursued that dream. You never used those talents. And we never saw your leadership. You never used your voice. You never wrote that book. And there they are, standing around your bed, looking at you with large, angry eyes, saying, we came to you, and only you could have given us life, and now we must, we must die with you forever. The question then is, if you die today, what ideas, what dreams, what abilities, what talents, what gifts would die with you? Mm. Don't let those ghosts exist around your bed when your time comes, my friends. That's where I want to leave it to you because I have no intention of doing that myself. And I encourage all of you to not let that be your fate as well, friends. Yeah, I don't want no dead puppets around my bed. (laughs) (laughs) Nathan with a bunch of dead puppets around him. That is crazy. Bulging freaking button eyes (laughs) talking to him. Working puppets around your grave. (laughs) (laughs) But, gentlemen. It's been a hell of a year. This has been the first full year this show has gone on for an entire year, if I'm not mistaken. Um, It's been a hell of a time, man. 63 episodes as of today. Wow. So far. So we'll hit hit 100 next next year, right? My math. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. So, gentlemen, it's been a hell of a time so far to everyone who's been around this show who has donated, contributed your time, your energy, your thoughts, your feedback. Really appreciate all of your time and investment and being here on this journey with us. Um, It's just the beginning in the grand scheme of things, a bright future ahead for the party and all of the future companions that will arrive to join us. And in closing, I wish everyone that is here a great holiday season. Nothing but the best to you and your family. Wishing you nothing but health and happiness and Take care of yourselves and Renfill, Nathan, please shout out your domains where people can find you when you're not on the show, gentlemen. Uh, my personal one is going to be uh, youtube.com forward slash Renfell, which is where I do all my personal stuff, um, gaming stuff, cooking videos. Yeah, all bunch of stuff there, re- reviews of books and shows and stuff. But then, of course, we have everything we do with the Weave in the Void, which includes the D&D stream that we do every Sunday night on the Weave in the Void Twitch channel, which includes these two lovely gentlemen that are with me, as well as Sparrow and Bounty Code here in the chat, and uh, my brother and my wife, Chris. Sunday's at 9, so if you want to follow us there, you can head over to that Twitch channel. And if you want to know more about the Weave in the Void, uh, that is all done through our Patreon, which is patreon.com forward slash wanderinghermits. Head on over there. You can find everything about, about that project and what this world is behind me. Absolutely. And Nathan. And, yeah, Merry oh. Christmas, Happy Holidays, all that stuff. Yes, definitely. Yeah, you can find me at uh, youtube.com forward slash the Nathan Napalm. Uh, make sure you tune in tomorrow because... Puppet Christmas video. It was supposed to come this weekend, <laughs> but we 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 expanded our idea, and um, uh, so it's taking some extra editing time. But it, it's going to be a very, very fun time. I, I gotta say, I don't feel guilty about the fact that this was a uh, the last episode, and we're not going to be here next week because we basically put two in one. That's right. This was a three hour plus show, longest we've Joe ever Rogan had, maybe. Right. <laughs> and if you miss us that bad, guys, Sunday, come on Sundays. We'll still be doing D&D, baby. We ain't taking right. a break from D&D we, because, you yep. know, 
That is our break from yeah. life. It is a, it is a nice break from <laughs> life. Yes, and we'll be doing. And these. It's getting good too. It it's is getting, getting good. good, man. We're getting we're getting ready to get into some real serious stuff and things over Ooh. there. So yeah, this as soon as we begin the session, Ooh, it's gonna yes. I mean, you we're be in a for this really. One. Yeah, we're in a crazy little in the scenario. Of dungeon right now. Yeah, this is like a, a creepy one too. Uh, like, yeah, this is yeah. one to definitely tune in for on Sunday. I'll be retweeting it on Sunday after the Ashes Pathfinder show. I'll be tweeting it, uh, not tweeting, but uh, linking it in the Discord, Discord.gg forward slash Samorg. Friends, remember that this might be the end of our show today and the end of the year, but we're always looking for more to join the party. Rants of plenty. Until next time, live your best lives. Stay safe, walk in the light, have a great night. We'll see you in 2022, unless we see you sooner. Good night, everybody.